in swinger. Oh, oh, oh. And the goal! The Republic of Ireland oh. have scored! John Egan with his first ever international goal! What a moment for Stephen Kenny! Full live commentary of the Republic of Ireland against Lithuania this Tuesday on OTB Sports Radio. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, it's Monday morning. It's half past seven. You're very welcome along to OTBAM. It's Jerry Gilroy and Johnny Ward with you this Monday morning. Johnny, how are you? Morning, Jerry. So just a little bit of insight into how things uh, go along here. You know that there's obviously the, the continuing tension Owen and myself are colleagues as opposed to acquaintances rather than friends. Johnny, I thought, was a friend, right? Until about three and a half minutes ago. The coffee machine isn't working today on the floor that we do business. And so I, I diligently ran up just before we were due to come on air and I pour myself a coffee and I ring him and I say, hey, Johnny, the coffee machine is broken and I know you can't function without a coffee, Johnny. So what would you like? And he goes, oh, no, I'm grand. I've already been up to the fifth floor and got one for myself. Uh, I was on the well, phone though. Well, I can't well, carry. Well, I can't be on the phone and carry two coffees. So you got earphones. Um, you then then completely ignored that I offered you toast. In it's the too late. It's too late. It's too late. Yeah. The, the coffee is the only thing that matters. You want to like bloat me on toast before I go and perform, so that my performance is going to be weakened. So somebody did put up a tweet recently. How does anyone get up in the morning and not think of coffee first thing? And I am like that, Jer. Yeah, I, just, I don't think it's the, yeah, it's the one thing thanks. I couldn't. Yeah, I'm the same. Thanks. Are you getting on anyway? Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm delighted you're here. Enjoying my coffee. I'm staying. Finishing my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Get that reference? The, no, I don't. Some people will. Okay, well. It's called Coen Brothers movie. Which one? The Big Lebowski. Whereabouts? Um, Walter's in the cafe and uh, he's on about how he can get a toe for the dude quite easily. Oh, and yeah. then the dude just goes out in a huff and Walter has like enraged the, the old lady working behind the shelf and he says, I'm saying, finishing my coffee, enjoying my coffee. It's an iconic, it's probably one of my favourite, my favourite scene in The Big Lebowski. It's uh, 7.32 this morning, things have already uh, been blown off course somewhat. <laughs> I'm saying. Not as of course as the Oscars overnight. Um, you almost caught a, cl- a clip of it there as the, the music started. Have you seen this? Have you seen I it? just saw it there. Can we play this in the music in a sporting context? Or? Well, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, the whole world is trying to find a way to talk about the Oscars this morning because um, the movie that Will Smith won the Oscar for, so Will Smith wins the Best Actor, actor Oscar last night um, for his portrayal of Richard Williams, the father of um, Venus and Serena for the new movie that's out. And so... Uh, It's supposed to be the crowning moment of Will Smith's career. But 10 minutes before they announced that he was winning the Oscar in the ad break, uh, uh, in the the bit before the ad break, before they gave out the uh, Best Actor Oscar, he um, he smacked Chris Rock in the face on the stage while Chris Rock was making jokes about his missus. Did you see this? Did I? Sorry, I thought you were going to play the clip. I no. did. I just saw it there. Yeah, it was amazing. It's already had like 30 million views, I think, on... Uh, it's going to do... It's. I, I predict now yeah. it will be the most watched clip in the history of the internet. Um, it was a bit mad. He, he, will Smith was not happy. So it's the live show and Chris Rock is making a, a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith and how he's looking forward to her starring in G.I. Jane 2. I mean, it's a very opaque reference. I'm like trying to rack my brains to remember. 1997, Demi Moore, or as I say in America, Demi. Demi. Uh, I can't pronounce names properly, but that's okay. Uh, she, um, she shaved her head at the height of her Hollywood celebrity. I remember that. To star as G.I. Jane, right? Mm. Jada Pinkett Smith has alopecia and so therefore has a, a hair loss problem. And so the joke is, ha ha, she has alopecia. 
Ha ha, she could be in a movie starring a bald person or a person with shaved head. Ha 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 ha. That's Chris Rock's joke, right? It's not a good joke. It's not a great joke. Mm. And Will Smith is in the front row sitting beside his wife. And then Will Smith does not like this joke. And so there's a, there's a brief pause. It's kind of like Chris Rock is wallowing in, wallowing in the kind of silence in the, in the aftermath of the, the joke. Because it doesn't seem like everybody else was like, yeah, that's a good one, Chris. Good man. This is your A-list material here. This is the stuff that, you know, has made you a, a gazillionaire. And then he's, Will Smith storms the stage and just like open hands, smacks him in the face. Like he's a much bigger guy. Will Smith is a big guy. Smacks him in the face. Oh, he missed that part. <laughs> I just saw where he went back and sat down and started shouting at him. But he actually no. goes up. Oh, I'm sorry. Just to, to provide some context here, I started eating my toast at about uh, about 28 and a half minutes past. Toast was, is ruining the show. And then you told me, oh, you better watch the clip, which is 45 seconds long. He literally decks him. But <laughs> So he doesn't fall. In fairness, he can take a punch. Uh, Chris Rock can, can definitely take a punch. And then Chris Rock is completely as you would expect. He takes it, steps back up and goes, wow, 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 wow. I just got absolutely uh, the shit kicked out of me by Will Smith. There's a lot of, oh, what's going on here? And then, take take my wife's name out of your effing mouth. Take my wife's name out of your effing mouth, Will Smith. Shouts from back down. He's, he's sitting in the front row of the Oscars again. And... Um, yeah, it's been pretty interesting. It's been, it's you know, it's like... Uh, We've had moments like that without the punches, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. when you wouldn't get me coffee. Mm. I, I think what you did there was, I offered you toast and you said no, and then you were on the way to get the coffee and you thought, God, I better just offer him a coffee no. now because no. he did I'm offer actually, me toast, and uh, it, even though I wasn't thinking of offering add a, a coffee. Add a little wrinkle to this. I, I've, I did my Achilles tendon over the weekend, and I'm oh, hopping, did you? hopping around like, uh, I'm shuffling around like Hopalong Cassidy, and I thought maybe, could I ask Johnny to get me a coffee? Do you think, would that be bad form? Would it, would it be bad form to ask somebody, because the coffee machine's broken, maybe he'd go to the fifth floor first. No, do you know what? I'll do it. I'll do it. I need to stretch it out, otherwise it'll... But sure, look. That coffee machine hasn't been working since Friday, if, if I'm right. I don't know. Making my trip up to the fifth floor. What happened to your Achilles? I don't know. It's, uh, I've been wearing runners instead of boots for the last few days because the good weather came in. And as you get older, Johnny, your body starts to break down. It's all ahead of you. Uh, it's already... Uh, I, think there's, I think I'm already there, to be honest, yeah. Everything is just slower now. Uh, so tell us, who, who is everywhere? Are they Team Chris Rock or are they Team Will Smith? Because, you know, you're not supposed to resort to violence, but like... It's uh, not really violence, though. And then he, then literally, the next thing that happened was he won the Oscar, and he's crying in the Oscar speech about what happened to, uh, in that. So it's gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be hearing a lot about this. I, I, uh, that's my hot take this morning is you're gonna hear a lot about this massive major incident that happened at the Oscars last night. On OTBAM. Seven thirty-seven. Here's what's coming up. It's uh, Will Smith for the next two and a half hours. No, it's actually not. We're gonna talk about the performance rankings in just a second. The Gillette Lads performance rankings. Matt Holland's gonna join us at ten past eight after the Republic of Ireland's two-all draw against uh, Belgium. We have the sports pages at 8.30. Anthony Moyles at 8.45. Alan Quinn looking back at the weekend's rugby at 10 past 9. And more OTB reaction coming your way at half past 9. OTB AM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Time for the Gillette Labs performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance? so far of the World Cup maybe not OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head the performances was just lacked that intensity Ooh, all right we're going green for the morning and uh, also because Tommy Rooney's here Tommy good morning to you how are you 
Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Jer. How are you both doing? Well, you know, it'd be better if I'd had a uh, morning double espresso, but apart from that, all is good. How are you? Oh, I, I can imagine. I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm very sorry to hear about your Achilles. That is nasty. Yeah, I didn't realise it was actually, it becomes sore to the touch. That's, that's so annoying. Yeah. Anyway, sure look. Yeah. Uh, there are real athletes to talk about this morning and how this works is every week we, we ask you on Instagram the night before to see if uh, you have any views about who should be in the red, who should be in the amber, who should be in the green. Red's had a bad weekend, amber's had a work. We can't quite decide yet. The jury is out and green is, yeah, it's all systems go. And uh, if you went to the competition, you could be in for a Gillette Labs starter pack. In the meantime, what have we got this week? Who is in the red? I think Johnny's going to bring us to these. Are you, Johnny? The red is the dubs, yeah. So the dubs, um, I, was, I, was, I didn't have time this morning, A, to get Jarrah coffee, B, to finish my toast, <laughs> and C, to find out what odds Dublin would have been to lose five games and um, to get relegated. And, uh, you know, it, the, 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 the circumstances in Clonus were amazing because they, they rallied back with obviously a Dean Rock uh, pe- penalty and um, Jack McCarran, who had an unbelievable game, Wins it at the end, and uh, you're, you're. I don't know, Tommy. Are Dublin like Dublin were three to one to win the All Ireland um, about two weeks ago, and that roughly means that bookmakers think they've give or take about a twenty percent chance to win the All Ireland, which is an incredible state of affairs from where we've been at in the hegemony of the last few years. But was do you think yesterday was a kind of a I don't know, like a step back in terms of the apparent progress they're making in the league, where they were like, okay, they're getting ready for the championship. Because defensively, they just look really open. Before he answers that, they're still three to one. That's the thing. They're still three to it, one. Yeah. I, so they're in the red. I, I think that um, I'm. I've been alone. I. I don't think there's that much wrong with Dublin at the moment. I think mm. that like they're in a. They are in a period of transition. This is a league campaign. These players have some of the players <laughs> who aren't playing great at the moment have six, seven, a lot of medals. Like, does this really matter that much, Tommy? I think 3-1 to one isn't that far off where they should be, but I do actually think yesterday will have an impact here. I think yesterday adds to the scrutiny. Mm. I think it adds to the pressure that they're under. I think that if the dubs had pulled off kind of, sort of, what Philly McMahon predicted in his Indo column but got utterly wrong at the weekend, I think it would have done them the world of good. I think if Dublin had come back from six or seven points down, pulled a draw out of the bag or a win out of the bag and stayed up, that would have been massive. And they would have been able to point at it and all the ex-pros, the Paddy Anders and the Philly McMahons of the world would have been able to say, look, they're building, they're getting there, get off their backs. It's a completely new team. But I think this only adds to the pressure that they're under. I do actually think that once they get their ship in order, because it's such an open year in the championship this year, the dubs are 3-1, it isn't that bad a shout. Like we know, like Leinster football is at its lowest step. Sure, Kildare had a great buzz about them and Kildare football was motoring really well but that's a big blow for Kildare to go down yesterday as well no Leinster football teams in Division 1 realistically we could have Leinster football in the red here today lads mm. Loud or louder promoted they're the only team really on the rise at the minute Mead stagnated Offaly went down Leisure in Division 4 with Wexford and Wicklow and Carlo like it's going to be very difficult for Dublin to it's going to be very difficult for Dublin to get safe passage through to the All-Ireland quarter-final. What are the they going to do? Guaranteed. What yeah, are they going to the do for guaranteed. the next month and a half? Exactly. And a month after exactly. that. Like it's, it, it could be worth listening to Desi Farrell, Jerry. We've got two short clips here of him talking to Stephen Doyle after the game of Clonus yesterday. So let's have a listen to the first clip here with Desi Farrell. Not the most 
concerning thing. I think uh, our disappointment is mostly based around an inconsistent performance again. You know, we sort of put two two decent performances back to back. Now there's still work to do for sure. Um, but you would have thought we were on a decent enough trajectory at that point, and then well, the second half was better. There was we were flat in the first half, and um, that's that's more disappointing, I think, in terms of quality of performance. Was obviously we're we're looking towards the summer at this point in time, you know. So I think what's interesting as well, Tommy, is if you if you looked at like XG or whatever and put it into the football, dissects the individual games Dublin have played. There have mm. been a lot of moments where. Um, Things have just gone against them, like kind of fluky goals, goals, goals being disallowed. Again, yesterday it looks like Monaghan was it. They've been relegated three times in, in in injury time of their last game. I think yeah. Dick Clerken said yesterday, and they, they pull out the fire. But like the margins were so fine, like and if Dublin did win yesterday or even drew or whatever, I think it would change the narrative. And just the fact that you're talking yeah. about a Jack McCarran point at the end has been. I, I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm in two minds about this because I think uh, Dublin, at one level, they're under an awful lot of scrutiny. At the other level, like they're three to one to win the Ireland when they've been odds on for the last like seven or eight years, I'd say. So they're yeah. they're, they're not even favourites anymore. So I think uh, I think that that in the fact that the camp has been doubted now um, might actually add to um, might help them in some respects. So they can go back now, chill out. People think that uh, people are saying that they're kind of they're gone at the game, they're a bit finished, and maybe they'll just come back and just like rattle through people in the. Ireland. I, the, the one thing that struck me last night just watching League Sunday was, you know, the intercounty game has been maligned a lot. It was so compelling. I mean, from first division, second division, particularly the first division, the games, so much quality as well. I thought the quality of the goals um, in Tyrone and Kerry from the, the kick passing to the the, mm. the the two outside of the foot passes for the two goals was just sensationally good. Oh. And, you know, for a game that like... A lot of people have been, like, even articles recently given out about the way Kerry were playing, Joe Brawley had an article. Um, I think the championship's in a great nick, because you look at, there's a team from every province now um, who has a proper, proper chance to win the All-Ireland, but, like, Galway will fancy their chance against Mayo. Three or four teams in Ulster will think they can win Ulster. Um, and Leinster is more open, if, if it is open, it's more open than it's been in a while. So I, I think there's a lot to be positive about. Yeah, I think we, we, we're going to come back to that a little bit later on with, um, yeah. with the GA coverage in the green. There's a second as a clip you said, Tommy. Yeah. Now, th- this is this is very important, Jer, because we spoke about the importance of getting James McCarthy back and it utterly changed what Dublin looked like in Crow Park against Donegal. And just a note, Brian Howard and Niall Scully look so at home once more for the dubs in Crow Park against Donegal two weeks ago. I think that's a, a point well worth making as well when Johnny talks about them still being 3-1 for the All-Ireland. From here on in, the dubs are going to play in Crow Park mm. for the most part. And that is going to make a massive difference to them. If they don't get any more injuries and if they get... Conor Callaghan back. Let's hear what Desi had to say about where Conor's at. Desi, in terms of, of where he'll be at? Yeah, no, uh, Con, we're, we're looking forward to having Conor back very soon. Yeah. As in, inside the next two weeks, will, will he be, would you be confident he'll be available come to start the championship? Yeah, he will. He will be available for sure, yeah. Right. Now, yeah, so James O'Donoghue now questioned this a couple of weeks ago. Paddy was talking about, um, you know, Conor and James are going to be back and they're going to make a massive difference. And there's no doubt in that that they were. But James is like, you need to have two or three league games mm. under your belt and a couple of provincial games under your belt well, to be yeah. able to get up to 90%, 100%. Do you? Now, there's no it doubt. It is Leinster, though. 70, yeah. 70% Conor Callaghan absolutely makes a difference. 80% Conor Callaghan makes a difference to Dublin. But if Dublin are going to win the All-Ireland this year, they need Conor Callaghan operating somewhere close to 90 to 100%. He needs they haven't fo- got football of the year territory, right? That's what they need. Somebody to That's emerge... Great who would be a realistic contender at this stage for yeah. football of the year and they don't have anybody who's playing in that form at the moment 
No, they don't. Like, like maybe Costello explodes into that. You know, he did have a very good game yesterday. Maybe Kieran Kilkenny stands up again. Um, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be so interesting to watch. I just think it adds Dubs getting ready to get it adds another layer of intrigue. Johnny mentioned him at the top of the show. Like your Jack McCarron's performance was off the chart. The goal like, was, was like, the, honestly, I've, I've, I'm not sure I've seen a better goal, individual goal in Gaelic football in terms of the finish. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's, if it's that high up, Johnny, but like, I, it's definitely amazing. And it's definitely something worth celebrating. What I can't get my head around is whenever, like maybe I uh, lose the run of myself a little bit with GA goals a bit too often. Johnny, I'm sure you do the same with the League of Ireland. Mm. But there's always somebody questioning. Oh, he took too many steps. Mm. Oh, the keeper's off his line. Did he like, foul for Simons? What's wrong with these people? Did, I don't understand. No, he did not. Because like, like, but if he didn't, then why is Fitzsimons? Yeah, like, he did. He did. He did. He did. He did. That, he, if that he, happened he, to you, if that, no. if he'd done that, if that was no. a dub doing that to me, you'd be like, ah, that's ridiculous. No, mm. no absolutely not. Jack McCarron's behind Michael Fitzsimons. He reaches across him. He gets a paw on the ball. It goes by him. Sure, Fitzsimons has felt contact, but this is intercounty football. It's a contact sport. Mm. It actually is a very, very un-Dublin-like trade for Mix Fitzsimons to hit the ground and on his knees instead of chasing Jack McCann. Look for a foul. Looks at the ref yeah. with his hands. Yeah. If you're a defender and you do that, like if you're a defender, you do that. I've seen that in a couple of League of Ireland games. If you're if you're a defender and it looks kind of 50-50 at best, and you gesture to the referee as you're kind of like running back, it just doesn't look. It's not a good look. No, and you're gone. Like and like the. The dubs that set the standards and, and made them so high in Gaelic games for the last seven or eight years, they're gone. This is a different Dublin team now, and they have to learn. The likes of Brian Fenton, Brian Howard, Niall Scully, who I mentioned earlier on, they had never lost a game in championship up to last year before. Their intercounty careers had been unbelievable. They'd been so successful. It had been a freak, really. And they have to learn now about how to deal with perhaps teammates who aren't operating at the level that the six-in-a-row dubs were. Um, teammates that are probably learning their trade a little bit as the games are going on that are making mistakes and now you're even seeing the lads with their 8 or 9 Alarna medals the Mick Fitzsimons of the world doing things that are totally uncharacteristic I love the finish I just thought the the oh, technique at that, and you could, the, the way he hit it it was like this is 100% going in he's so full of oh, confidence yeah. here and Johnny I, I've, I've seen I was very lucky to go to college it was a year behind Jack McCarron in college so I got to watch him training and in, in college games I live close to Monaghan, so I actually went to watch Curran, his club or intermediate club, playing a, a league game against Dunamine, a random game one day, just to go and see him playing. He was destroyed with cruciate injuries in his early 20s. Mm. This is a fella that if we had seen him, if he was in another county or if we had seen more of him when he was younger coming through, everyone would be talking about Jack McCarran for the last five or six, seven years. An unbelievable footballer. And Monaghan have been crying out for the likes of himself and Conor McCarthy to stand up alongside Conor McManus over the last little while. Jared, like just a note about Monaghan. They're in division. They were in Division Three in 2013. They won Division Three in 2013. They won Division Two in 2014. They had their Ulster titles in 2013 and 15. They've been in Division One since 2015. It's an incredible run for a county like that. What's their What's their ambition this year, Tommy? Man, like to be honest, Johnny, like you're saying, the Dubs are three to one. Kerry are the out and out favourites, but like Kerry have not. This Kerry team have not done it yet. Defensively, there's going to be huge pressure on Kerry. Mm. So. Genuinely, this All-Ireland, it's like being back in 2010 when Cork and Down were in the All-Ireland final. It's back to that stage in Gaelic Games. It's open for seven or eight teams mm. to actually go and do it this year. I genuinely believe that. Man, I'm to one. Boat. Yeah. Oh, no, totally. Like, I, yeah. I think, um, so, I think the clerk can say, no, Monaghan will never win in All-Ireland, but it's days like this to keep us going. I'm like, what? I mean, what? They were looking how close they are to Tyrone. Mm. Why did Tyrone think he can win in All-Ireland? Because Tyrone have won in All-Ireland. But before that original great team came along, Tyrone got as close 
They got a little bit closer. In fairness, there was a, a, a little bit more of, of reaching all Ireland finals and blowing big leads against Kerry in the eighties. But there's no reason why any team who is a Division One team this year isn't thinking win four games, win four successive games, and then all of a sudden everything is up for yeah. grabs. No, absolutely, absolutely. I have a feeling that I've allowed our performance rankings to go way over time here, haven't we? Well, we've got some more stuff yeah. to get into. So next, we'll be brief on this. One. Next in the red is uh, OTB YouTubers. What's this, Johnny? <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was, I was genuinely delighted with the Willie Mullins interview because, like, when I step in um, to Jer's shoes, um, you know, it's 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 an impossible task, shall we say? So I'm here on Friday interviewing Willie Mullins. I don't know when it lasts. I don't know if we, he's never been on the show before. And uh, never for a feature interview, no. No, not 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 for a feature interview. And um, he was in. I thought he was in great form. And I, I was like delighted with the interview. And then it was just. Just like there were two or three comments at Max on YouTube afterwards, and one of them was like basically saying, Oh, the one day Jerry is away, there one week Jerry isn't there, and it's Willie Mullins had the potential to be an insightful and interesting interview asking Willie about his son's love life, missing an inverted comma, I presume, and he only has one son, life, absolute cringe. And then I was like, well, it was just a throwaway comment at the end of the show. And some people don't really care. They're more interested in, I mean, <laughs> you know, Nina Carberry last night, she wins the, the Dancing with the Stars. People like, they like that stuff. They like seeing stuff that isn't at the racetrack. Just made a comment, you know, I think some people in race will know what I was on about. Willie responded in a good manner and, you know, it just made me, put, me, put, cringe, put, me, put me down, put me down. Absolute cringe. The only way, go on, Tommy. No, I just want to say, like Johnny, with all the with all the bad, there's always a good as well. Is, is Niall mm. Sheehan a buddy of yours? Is he in one of your WhatsApp groups? Don't think so. Good interview by Johnny. Uh, that's what Niall had to say on YouTube. So with all good you know, solid six out of ten. Bad. That's you can't do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was one of the interviews, though, Ger, that it was like this could be four hours, and uh, I think Willie would still be bringing up a lot of the stuff from the, the past and all that was great. Like, but uh, ultimately, it was about his son's love life. Well, that's all people are going to take away from it. Fair enough. So, uh, love that stuff, by the way, because Holly Doyle and uh, Tom Marquand got married. Two leading jockeys in Britain got married the weekend. People love that. They love that salacious stuff. If the Daily Mail did stuff and the love lives of jockeys and everyone in racing, racing would be all over it. I don't give it. I don't give a toss about it, but people do, and um, that was the context behind me. me all right, and uh, you can you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream this morning if you want to rate Johnny Absolute cringe. That would be great. Absolute cringe. Hashtag. We can get that trending. Uh, people will think it's about Will Smith but actually it's about you. Uh, right. The women's rugby team, right? They are in amber because not quite sure what to make of it. There's still a bit of a honeymoon period around Greg McWilliams. The new head coach who obviously is a, a new broom, hopefully sweeping clean everything that happened in the uh, under the previous regime where of course we failed to qualify for the World Cup. There was a record crowd and yet the performance fell short, up with about 10 minutes left on the clock and then concede two late tries and Wales end up winning the game. Bear in mind, Wales have qualified for the World Cup and so they're going one direction and we seem to be going the other direction. But we did hammer the Welsh last year. So mm. that's why they're in orange. It's like green shoots of encouragement, but you lose a home game in the Six Nations. You can't be, you definitely can't be in the green. There's probably a shout yeah. for them to be in the red, but it is still a little bit of a honeymoon period and it looked like the, the, the rugby journalists who are covering the game are saying they're seeing signs of improvement. Yeah, like, Jerry, with this one, it's a funny one because I was asking as well, like, were, were Wales favourites going into this? And, and seemingly they marginally were, but they had lost six straight Six Nations games in a row. Um, but I think the main context here is that where Irish women's rugby is possibly coming from and the, and the fallout that we had pre-Christmas, Welsh rugby are after handing out 12 professional contracts 
in the last uh, the last couple of months. So they're clearly on a high. As you said, they're going to the World Cup. This game all turned because it was all going so well. This game all turned in that spell where Emer Constantine got that with Simbind and uh, those two late tries came. So it feels like a real soccer punch to get at the start of the Six Nations because um, the, the, by all accounts the crowd was incredible and the buzz around the team was was starting to get going around here. So hopefully they can keep it going throughout the Six Nations and sustain that. I think that that the crowd is definitely a positive as well because. Um We've seen uh, the the buzz that has taken on with the the Irish national team in football, and I'm sure some of the the rugby players feel like, well, we're kind of being left behind here because we just it hasn't it hasn't seemed to capture that interest so much. And there were over six thousand in Donnybrook, which is mm. I know it was a beautiful weekend, but by all accounts, really good buzz at the game as well. And um, I I think as a player that that will give them. That'll give them massive encouragement going forward as well, that this is something that we can really build on because, I mean, the problems in women's rugby have been well documented at this stage, but it hasn't, you know, in the last few years, it hasn't nearly kind of reached, reached its potential. OTBIM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Every week we're giving away a Gillette Labs shaving kit to be with a chance of winning. Let us know who you think should make the Gillette Labs performance rankings. Best place to enter is the Off The Wall Instagram page. You'll see the comments box in our story there. You can also get in touch with us however you want this morning at Off The Ball AM on Twitter. GA coverage in green, Tommy. This is your baby. You were out and about. You were watching it on the TG Car app and you thought that this was a vision for what life could actually be like every weekend for us. If only we had the right championship structures. <laughs> oh my God, just imagine. And the thing is, that's the mo- That's the best weekend of the GA and calendar apart from... <sighs> Probably the other in the final. I'll have to give it that, or maybe the other in the semi-finals. It's it's over already, and it's it's March. Um, first of all, TG Carr, Nemeton DV, incredible stuff. The red zone yesterday that we got for the Gaelic football was sensational for Division One. I had I was away last weekend, so I hadn't seen. Apparently, they did it with the hurling. All I could see was people giving out about it. I was like, how can anyone be giving out that you're being kept up to date with? around three or four different grounds during the GEA, this little bit of innovation. Sure, maybe they didn't nail it, but how could they be given out? Seemingly people are saying that the hurling was too fast and they couldn't possibly give enough context every time they moved to another ground. If that was the case last week, I don't know. This week, it was absolutely incredible. There was one spell in the first half where Monaghan goal, cross over to, to Donegal Armagh, goal. Cross over, we get word from Tyrone Kerry that there's a goal down there. And then there was a goal as well in, in, in Mayo and Calair. Like It was just class. You had the table changing the whole way through. There was jeopardy on the line throughout. Every game went down to the wire. They didn't have cameras that carry Tyrone. So we hear that David Clifford has scored an absolute worldly, but we don't know what it is. Um, so there's a bit of frustrations around that. So like, it was just absolutely class year. Like, as well as that, like the app was brilliant. I, ha- I was on the move yesterday. It was a beautiful day. I didn't want to stay stuck in on a Sunday in the sitting room you know, with the games on. I could have done that, but I was able to do it on my phone watching them. Uh, in the car as, as we, were, we were on the move yesterday and uh, stay, on, stay on top of all the games. It may not have been great company, but, uh, you know, got to stay on top of all the football. It was brilliant. And it just gave a glimpse of what we could have because while all of that was great, in Division 2, you had teams getting relegated and going up and down. That kind of got drowned out. Like Cork and Offaly was an incredible game. Mm. 47 scores in that game. Nile McNamee, um, 36. Unbelievable, Johnny. But like mm. that game kind of got drowned out because of the drama in Division One. Mm. In Division Three, all eight teams had something to play for. So like, imagine that they had spread it out. That they went Division One, Division Two on the on the Sunday, Division Three and Four on the Saturday. The biggest first of the weekend was that Leitrim and Sligo on the Sunday was allowed to become a dead rubber. That game should have been a promotion shootout in a sold out Markovic Park. One of the biggest events of those players 
probably next two or three years in Gaelic football and it was ended up being a dead rubber. And actually, the worst part of it is that within that being a dead rubber, two of the key players both got sent off for either side. So they might end up missing their, their first round championship game. So what a waste uh, in some regards, Jared. But um, I kind of thought the GA coverage would be in orange. It just gave us a glimpse of, of what we could have. Imagine we had this as our championship. Ah, look, and yeah. I think another point just to be made is what TG Carter does in terms of what you can do with limited, limited, limited resources as opposed to what you can do with almost limitless resources and the contrast in that, I think it's just a, it's a national treasure of a channel, I really do, and they're yeah. constantly kicking it. Like they're, yeah, I, we, I w- we should compare and contrast what RTE does. We should stop pussyfooting around this. What, what TG Carter does versus what RTE does is chalk and cheese because TG Carter is far more innovative and far more creative. It has to be. Well, it has to be, but it is. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Mm. You, you could, like, RTE could be innovative and creative in their approach to things, but for whatever reason, whatever the blockage is that prevents them from doing what TG Carr does, they are light years behind, and that, they shouldn't be, and they should be held to account for that, because it's yeah. they're the ones getting the massive, the, the bulk of our uh, of the taxpayers' funding through the licence fee. Yeah, it's do, look, it's, it's doing an order to service to the, to the game that's there and the potential it has to grow, because... This summer, there really isn't that much else on to compete with it. Sure, there's a rugby tour of New Zealand. There's no World Cup until the Christmas. Next year, there's there's no summer big soccer tournament. Like the GEA, hurling of football should be taking centre stage. And in a lot of ways, they'll just about get by because people are mad about it. So they will watch and listen to whatever they can. But the Talchon Cup, if it's treated the way Division 4 was treated at the weekend, if that open goal is missed, like, I don't understand how they plan to to get coverage for it or how they plan to put it centre stage or give it the justice it deserves for it to flourish I, and for I, it, it I, become a viable competition. I have to say, Tommy, I get, I get a great kick out of watching um, inter-county stuff um, at a lower level and like seeing what, you, you see some of the photos of the Offaly players after the game yesterday. Niall McNamee at 36, the performances he was given and again mm. a game and the, the, the narrative behind Cork where, you know, they were potentially getting relegated and what that game meant, a really, really entertaining game. Fair enough, neither of them is going to win in All-Ireland this year and in terms of Talchon Cup and going forward like that a second tier competition it will grow into something that means something because like as you say like Leitrim and Sligo that, that could have been a game that meant a lot and it's, it's not all about Dublin and Mayo or Kerry and Tyrone like there's if you get two teams that have something to play for at a, at a lower level it can be very very compelling and I, I just hope the Talchon Cup isn't you know isn't isn't seen as this disparaging thing yeah no uh, like uh, one thing like we, we've seen we see David Clifford at the end of games now and kids running mm. over to him like I was in Tralee the last day before the referee's blowing the full time whistle there's a horde of, of kids under the age of about 12 or 13 sprinting onto the pitch before the whistle is gone I actually think there was another 30 seconds to play in that game and he was just like there's no point <laughs> Clifford was already swarmed by kids mm. and you're seeing even the dubs yesterday after he got relegated they're still on the pitch signing autographs mm. and Clonus I got word that even in Leitrim this year for the first time in a long time kids are hanging back to ask their players because there's a buzz around football in the county. Will they sign autographs? Will they take photos? You know, there are stars in the game that are playing at lower levels, lower divisions. They just need to be put forward into the spotlight. Samuel Roy caught the eye this year for loud. People have been talking about him a little bit. We've seen so little of the likes of Samuel Roy. Mm. Keith Burns scored two sidelines for Leitrim a couple of weeks ago. If, if a player had done that in Division 1, two sidelines with the left boot, I think it's actually his wrong foot. Like, they'll be talked about it until the cows come home. So all we need is actually those games to be put up. Put it up on YouTube on Tuesday. Put it up after the highlight shows. Put it up and allow people to go and watch it. Put short clips up on, on TikTok. There's loads of great 
you know, young uh, GA kids. Like when, when you're a teenager back in the day, you might have started a blog or something like that. There's loads of kids now setting up GA highlights uh, um, channels on TikTok. Just on that, on that point, yeah, sorry to, to totally interrupt you here, but like we, we have this because as Jarrah says at the start of the show, he has an Achilles problem, we're getting old, I'm 40 this year, so we think TV, TV, TV. Galway United have 55,000 TikTok followers, right? Wow. And you see at Galway United games, there are all of these kids going to games, like basically 16, 17 year olds I've never seen before. And if you, if you, you social media is now massive for little clips of say, mm. like all these players that like wouldn't necessarily get the exposure, social media can, can bring that little clips of those sidelines that you're talking about can make these players into heroes like and, and make mm. them viral oh 100% Johnny that's so interesting I didn't realise going United had 55,000 mm. TikTok views but these are open goals that are there and like right. they're talking about it, NFTs it's how young people they're are like, consuming sorry, it do you know what I mean but they're, they're talking about NFTs and potentially investing in that regard I don't know enough about that to be able to give out that much about it but it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't get your own house in order with you know these various channels that are open that are there mm. the Talchon Cup it needs to be given the coverage any bit of coverage whatever about fixing the Division 4 Division 3 Division 2 coverage at the weekend the Talchon Cup needs to be we need to be shown what's going to happen here what is the plan for this they should season, give the rights to that summer. to TikTok instead of anybody else <laughs> right let's go Anybody. on uh, Irish football is in the green after a 2 all draw with the world number one this is at a, a sold out Aviva um a late header against Belgium in the early stages of a, a campaign I mean, for some people, it's it's definitely you guys are blank stares. Uh, Frank Staples yes. scored to equalise <laughs> with a flying header I'm against old. against the Belgians, who at that stage had just finished in the '86 World Cup in the top four and had been beaten by they were beaten in the semi final by Maradona. Um, I was like, this is a this is a good omen for Stephen Kenny. We can begin to dream after this, right? I was I thought it was really really positive again. And, um, do you know the, the the funny thing about this game was the the concession of the second goalger I thought was uh, it was so un Irish. I mean they they could have a two if not three free headers for the corner. Um, the first goal Stephen Kenny said like was he was kind of saying oh that's an avoidable goal from our perspective. I think. That was a bit less so. It was, it was a bit of a one-on-one with Seamus Coleman, and it's a really good finish. Kelleher can't do anything about it. But other than that, Belgium, and uh, fair enough, it's a second-string Belgium team. More, more to the point, like, they're not 100% at it. Um, and it's, you know, played in front of 50,000 in Ireland. So, you know, it, it wasn't Belgium enough from Belgium performance. But they didn't really create that much. They had one other chance off the top of my head that um, kind of last-ditch Irish defending. And a lot of Ireland at the moment is this beautiful marriage of old Ireland and uh, new Ireland. But, I mean, I, I just, you know what, I, I think my favourite, my, my two favourite passages in that game did not end up in a goal at all. Um, one of them was Jeff Hendricks' pass to Jason Knight which was absolutely glorious. And Jason Knight then kind of was in a tough one-on-one. I think Benny was coming into the box and he was in two minds and it kind of fizzled out, but it wasn't Jason Knight's fault. Quality of the pass from Hendrick. Like, Hendrick has played four or five years for Ireland for Kenny came in and he's been completely anonymous. And to just see him being able to show that. Beautiful, beautiful, world-class pass that nearly led to a goal. The second one was um, Robinson's flick that should have resulted in a goal early in the second half from James McLean's shot. James McLean... The, the effort he puts in is phenomenal, but that ball, that goal was set up by Seamus Coleman, who's a centre-back, winning the ball back roughly 25 yards from the other goal, dinking this lovely ball into the box. 
I just so much positive about it. And then Siog Benny, this young kid from Cork who's just exploded onto the scene, playing League One. Like he's playing League One. He's not for wing, long, yeah. Wing back in League One, but that's mm. where he's at. And he came through the League of Ireland, so on and so forth. And like Tommy's on about the kids on the pitch, like Ogbeni has become an absolute hero to so many kids in Ireland now who look up to him, see this beautiful smile and see him saying to the world, just because we're Irish doesn't mean we can we can't play football, we can't be really good technically, we can't get overhead goals and um I was just, I was buzzing after the game. It's a two all draw and a friendly, but I was buzzing after the game. Yeah. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much from the like I spoke about this Saturday. Like we're at such a low ebb, we're at such a low ebb, and I I've been to games like where Ireland have won. The card comes to mind under Martin O'Neill, where it's just like I I'm not enjoying this anymore. I don't care. I don't care if we win. We have to change what we're doing here. And to think like Stephen Kenny, if you talk about the Nadir of the of the Luxembourg game twelve months ago, if he'd gotten the sack, and and fair enough, the FAI did stick by him. But if if he had gotten the sack or we'd moved on. Like we could be just back to square one here again, where we, we've you have to give managers time, and fair enough. Mm. The twelve months were generally poor, and there was a, a lot of it. Like was like, where are we going here? Will this ever work out? Would you just see the players and the, the the body language of the players? Because I think the players themselves were downtrodden. When you come in and a coach is telling you you're not good enough to do this, just try and get a one-all draw. It's not good enough anymore, and I'm just delighted to see that the players, the 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 the, the, the belief in themselves that he's inculcated in players who might not even be necessarily doing it at club level like Hendrik um, it's wonderful to see and I'm delighted for him as well yeah okay anything else to add to this we're going to talk with Matt Holland a little bit later on no no but just uh, Benny it's just just the magic that Johnny's talking about there that's that's what we need we need Irish footballers capturing the imagination and that is one fella has done it like the boys gonna kick even the way that that whole move for the second goal Doherty does brilliantly I think but Benny keeps it in picks out Brown what a moment! Like, I know it's only a friendly, but like class. Well, like when I was when I was a kid, I remember Ireland friendlies. Like I remember games against Germany, Holland. Obviously, the game that was called off and as a road against England. Like as a young kid, I didn't care it was a friendly. Like it meant mm. so much to me. And I think young kids watching that game uh, on Saturday, and I'm just thinking of these kids who want to play football for Ireland. They don't care if it was a friendly, and it it felt like a friendly in one respect. But in other words, in in other ways, you're coming off the pitch. That could have been. A, we had friendlies like under previous regimes, horrific nil all draws with no chances, yeah. and it was it was literally friendlies to, to get a to get a result yeah. and now yeah. and what I love as well lastly is the fact that they obviously went behind twice and probably an XG should have won the game what was Kenny's line was it if we had played a low block it would have been just a slow death slow death yeah and and that's that's it like because you know the first half an hour you're watching this and you're like we are under a lot of pressure here but you do get spells and in fairness to Nathan Murphy I will give him this I think he was absolutely clairvoyant on this he said if the game is kind of plodding along going nowhere and the atmosphere wasn't that great in the first half an hour just put Thierry on me on the big screen and it actually did change the game it did Ireland just started to play after that and poor old Andy Barry was probably like, why are they booing me? Yeah, no, I, we, I, I, was, I, I went to Belgium, I did a great job. Oh, it's, it's on me. Well, I <laughs> mean, they probably were booing him because of their reporting around the no-brainer comments. No, I don't think they were. I think there's a little bit of that. No, no, they were booing nah. they were I mean, booing obviously, obviously, obviously we they're booing Thierry Henry, but I think that there's a little bit of collateral damage where when you break up with somebody, you're supposed to stay stum. <laughs> no, I know. Say, you I, say they were great, oh, one, of the, one of the best lovers I ever had, really great, really great. Absolutely. Well, right. I wouldn't wouldn't go that far. I mean, no. but but my, my missus says to me, she's like, are they booing Thierry on real? Like, if they, and seriously, have they not gotten over that? It's like, no, no, we haven't. 
We have not. <laughs> have we got over Thierry Henry? That is the burning question uh, this morning. Uh, Ronan wants to know, after Will slapped Chris at the Oscars, best out of the blue sporting slaps? I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything. Like, I've got... Oh, uh, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, Stephen Cluxon, Jason Mackett here. Oof. What was that? They were playing... That was in a charity match. A charity five ago. aside. And... Uh, who decked who? Cluxon decks Mackett <laughs> I actually cannot think of two different people in the world in terms of loquaciousness and all of that. So what happened? I, I think Mackett probably not him or something, did he? Yeah, I, I, I actually... I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either, Johnny. We're going to have to go look it up. It's years ago. Can we find it? Nearly back as far as Frank Staples go. Uh, can we do it like... McIntyre's a, lo- a lovely fella and does yeah. not deserve to be decked by anybody. No, I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying... Can we do half the screen is like Will Smith, half the screen is McIntyre and Cluxon and just has it happens at the same time. There is, there was, look there, it up after. Jason McIntyre called 10 years ago. Jason McIntyre called on Hardman Cluxon to apologise for punch-up. <laughs> There was footage of it, How though. I miss that. We, we... Speaking on News Talk's off-the-ball programme last night, McIntyre failed to elaborate on what actually happened during the game, but apologised for his role in the incident and suggested that the Dublin keeper should do the same. Yeah. I, I, thought, we'd, should... I thought we'd footage of this, no? I think there was. He... There was. I don't know if there was footage, but I, don't, I remember seeing photographs. Brian Clough, Deck and Roy Keane had to be kind of entertaining as well. Yeah. So again, I'm not condoning it. I don't think a manager should be hitting his players. No. Can I keep going with the McIntyre quoter? Go on. He should show some humility and maybe apologise rather than make out that he is a hard man. We know Stephen has a history of getting sent off. He was sent off in that Im- infamous incident where he led a lot of people down in Dublin and it probably cost him in Earl Ireland. I just feel it was a stupid thing he did. This is obviously before Cluxon kicks the winner a few months later. Just, just briefly, we're, we're again we're going way over the time here. And we're deviating. Any repercussions from the um, scuffle there, Mad Donegal stuff? Uh, I'm sure it'll be a pick and mix of suspensions, Johnny. Uh, they couldn't pick out anyone apparently last night on Big Sunday, so we'll mm. we'll hear from the CCCCCCC on Tuesday night. And what about the red cards at this stage of the season? Do they matter? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, so I've no idea what happened in the Division Four games, but if if those straight red cards are upheld. Both those players are going to miss uh, Leitrim's clash against London and Sligo's um, trip to New York. So, two key players. So, it's it's hard to know. Now, the thing with, with GA uh, legalities, there's a million loopholes. Queeving mm. uh, says, where is Owen up throne? Queeving, uh, he's in the queue for Bergheim. We're still wondering yeah, if, he's, if he's got in or not. It's, um, you know, uh, uh, Michael says, Mana and have had Dublin's number for some time. I mean... True. Have they really though? <laughs> like, oh, it's been like draw, draw, draw. I think in the last three league games. Yeah, okay, two, but two I mean, uh, did they meet in the championship when um, big game yesterday for for it was a big game and absolutely not take anything away from them. But like, let's see you do it in Croker lads in a in a championship knockout game. And Shifty Lad says the league should be linked to the All Ireland. Forget the provinces. Imagine the top six in Division One going through. Dubs will be out at this stage. We're not going back to Plan B because uh, we had that conversation. We did we did our bit. And we failed, and we're sorry for letting you down. You are kind of looking at, at yesterday, though, and as Tommy says, the drama that was going on, and like, you know, the the, the smaller counties in in ten or twenty years' so time, so self-evident. It's, it's going so to be obvious. It's, but it is it is in terms of like tradition, and and in terms of what should happen, it is edging ever closer to some sort of league. It's not. I think it is. It's I, I, it's I, not. Let's, I, I last think words. Last word on this because we're way over. One Leinster county voted for proposal B. The wrong folks have the vote. Mm. 13 minutes past 8 this morning. That is this week's Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette. Now, I'm delighted to say Matt Holland is with us. Matt, good morning to you. How are you getting on? 
thanks. Yourselves? Yeah, pretty good. Um, there is a lot of enthusiasm around. There's a lot of hope. There's um, a lot of credit going around. What was your take? What was your immediate aftermath feeling about the two-all draw at the weekend? Well, I thought it was a good performance. I thought, obviously, the, the first half an hour was difficult. Didn't get much of the ball. Um, it was played at a, a slower tempo. Uh, and Belgium totally dominated, really, for that first half an hour. Um, but after that, I thought we um, we we did much better. We we lifted the intensity. Um, I thought we pressed better. Um, I thought that started from the back. John Egan and Seamus Coleman both trying to um, follow their their forwards into midfield and win the ball higher up the pitch. Um, so I think it finished much better than it started. Uh, and I think there was a lot to to enjoy about the game at the weekend. Just on that, Matt, you're on about um, Coleman and Egan pressing high up the pitch, and I, that was extremely noticeable for for Coleman for the chance that Robinson nearly scored. Is that a product of um, playing five at the back or three at the back that you can basically say to one of your centre backs, "Don't worry about going high up the pitch because we will have cover uh, in the event of that." Yeah, I think that's that's true, and I also think the position of Josh Cullen helps in that as well because he's so disciplined in the job that he does in, in front of that back three as well. So I think it, it gives the likes of Coleman and Egan that security and licence that if they do go forward and get caught higher up the pitch, they've got someone in Josh Cullen who's quite happy to fill in in one of those positions as well. So uh, I think it's a, a mix of the fact that it's a back three, but also the discipline of Josh Cullen just in front of them. And do, do, as, a, as a midfielder, do you, what do you make of Cullen's role for Ireland in terms of how he's sort of exploded from left field onto the scene and how important is he to them? I think he is incredibly important. I, I think he's um, he's somewhat, he's an absolute manager's dream because you, you know what you're going to get from him. You know the, 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 um, the effort, the commitment, the desire that you're going to get from him but the discipline that he offers you as well. Because, you know, I, if I was playing in that position, I'd probably at times get a little bit frustrated, um, feel as though I could, you know, perhaps go a little bit higher up at times, maybe vacate my position. But Josh is very happy just to stay in that area um, and, and try and patrol in front of that back three. Keeps it quite simple, keeps the ball moving. Uh, I think he's a, a re- become a really important figure in this in this Stephen Kenny side. What, what uh, from this game, what can they take... Because some of the games that we've we've played recently, we've kind of won relatively comfortably uh, over the like, and I'm talking the immediate short term before this. But it was never against a team as good as this. And you know, I I know that Belgium didn't have their very top tier players, so um, we're not getting too carried away here. But it was a good a good side that Belgium played. They still have really good strength and depth. So what are they going to take away from those games where we aren't going to have uh, a lot of possession? Um, what did you see in terms of it, uh, being adaptable? against superior opposition? Well, I think you're absolutely right. It's a great game to try and show the progress that's been made under Stephen because I think in the first 12 months, we know it didn't go to plan, um, but there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of debuts um, and a lot of changes and a lot of problems that Stephen Kenny encountered in that first 12 months. Since then, it's become more settled. And I think if you look at the, the, the game against Luxembourg last time then this one against Belgium, if he could, he probably would have selected the same team. Even though there was such a big gap between the two matches, if if um, Gavin Pizzuno had been fit, then he probably would have played. And if Adam Eder had uh, been fit, he might well have played up top. And it would have been exactly the same eleven. So we're seeing a more settled environment, I think, now with this with this island team. Um, I, I think we. I, I think I learned that Callum Robinson's probably not a number nine. I, I 
I mean, I know I know he can play in that position. I know he can play up front. He's very versatile. And I think there was a lot of rotation actually about that front three of Benny, Jason Knight, and Callum Robinson. But I think he's slightly better when he's maybe slightly wider or slightly withdrawn, coming to get the ball slightly deeper. Um, but I, ju I just think we're, we're seeing now the fruits of, of a lot of hard work over the last couple of years. And we're seeing a more settled team from the experimental side that we saw, say, 12 months ago. They just seem happy players as well, don't they? I mean, is it? It must be important, Matt, that you go into, um, you go on your international break, and even if you're brown, you're coming off the bench. You want to make an impact, even if you're not playing. They, and they seem, I don't know, they, they, their body language for me is just chalk and cheese compared to the Ireland of maybe five years ago. Well, even even a couple of years ago, when you're mm. losing, you know, you're losing some 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 games that you feel as though you, you shouldn't lose. You know, home to Luxembourg, you know, you're coming off the pitch. Even a year ago, yeah. Exactly, and the, dev the devastation of those moments, and you know that the stick that you're going to get from the likes of us, and the, you know, the, in, the, in the media, and, the, and in, you know, reading the, the rate, uh, ratings in the paper, and all that sort of stuff, and the, uh, the slaughtering that you're going to get for for, um, for for a poor performance, all of a sudden now there's a lot more confidence about going into games, and, and that you're going to win matches. Um, obviously, <laughs> scoring goals helps as well, um, which has which has been better obviously that was a, that was a problem um and still not not perfect but but certainly looked like we're creating more um and, and scoring more so there is a, a lot more confidence about the group now um going into matches that they can they can create chances and then get good results talk to us a little bit about the deficiencies from the game um the the two goals that were conceded and some of the other chances that were given up um that that's the type of thing that will annoy a manager but at the same time you know um it's uh, it is a friendly. That's kind of the point of this: is you get those little quirks out, and you make sure that they don't happen in the competitive games. From well, from the set piece, is it just is it is it just you sit there for a couple of hours in the video room until everybody's so bored where they're never going to do that again? <laughs> there would be an element of that, definitely. I mean, if you know, if you're a manager watching that one back, you'd be scratching your head as to to how he got a free header, but also there was a man next to him who was free as well. So it wasn't just one man who was free; there was two that were free. Um, so you will be scratching your head as to as to how that happened, uh, and that is one that they will run over, over and over and over again and, and try and sort out. The first one, I think, you can forgive a little bit. Look, the, the team wants to try and play out from the back. That's 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 the way it is that's the nature of this of this side now um you know it, it, yes you can mix it and yes you can go long at times and actually there was there was occasions when i felt that we didn't go long enough at times because Jadosio Bene made uh, in the first 20 minutes he made three or four runs in behind the belgium defense and i'm thinking just play him in just play him in let's try and, let, let, let's just turn them because they were trying to play quite high up and we're having a lot of the ball um and we didn't take that opportunity and we, we continue to try and play a little bit too short at times but it's the nature of, of the side and the, and the style of football that Stephen Kenny wants to play that he wants to try and play through midfield so I can I can sort of I think you can forgive that that first goal and, and the way he took it as well I mean I, I, Sheamus will come under a bit of criticism for showing him inside and opening the goal up And but I mean the way he took it so quickly I think it was such a difficult one to defend against and, and I give Kelleher absolutely no chance to save it the second one is definitely one that you're going to look back and think mm, we can do a bit better with that one yeah, and uh, like I think in terms of depth as well, it is quite interesting. If you look at um, Omoba Medele, um, Darrow O'Shea, Gavin Bazunu, Adam Ida, and then you've like Obafemi, who may come into the mix, and Conley, who've been you know reasonably, um, especially Obafemi playing well at championship level, um, young players coming through. I I don't know. There are reasons to be positive. I think anyway, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, look, we're going to see changes, aren't we? Tomorrow, there's going to be some rotation. Um, 
the, the nature of some some of the uh, the the players that are involved in in Premier League struggles. Um, you know, Seamus Coleman will he play? I mean, will he will he be rested? You know, the, there's going to be there's going to be rotation and changes. So we're going to see players come into it. I mean, look, Nathan Collins at the back is only twenty. Um, you know, Ryan Manning, uh, Dara Shea, Jason Malumbi comes back into it. So he's he's got another opportunity possibly from from the start. Um, I, th- I expect Will Keane will probably get the nod from the start again. He's got 20 goals this season for Wigan. Um, so you're right. And then there's the players that are not here who are, who are unavailable as well. So we are starting to see a, 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 a deeper squad, if you like, as well, and a bit more competition for places, albeit you know, it, it, it has been a, a fairly settled team the last few matches. Uh, we're very excited about Jason Knight and the, the progression in his career and the amount of game time that he's had at this stage um, for, for somebody so young. There's a good chance if Derby go down as we expect at this point that he gets picked off and, and released. And what What is his level um, and what's his best position in your view, Matt? Great, great question. I mean, I, what is his level? Who knows? Who knows? Because a lot can change. You know, there's players who, uh, who come onto the scene very early and fade away very quickly. There's others who come late and, and, and you know, develop their game um, at a much slower rate, but, but they have a very good career. Um, with Jason, I, I'm really not sure what, what his level is. I, I, you know, I, I'm confident that he could play at, at the top level. Um, and and he's, he's a player that really excites me. I love his energy. I love his I love his running ability. I love his, his touch and his awareness. And um, it's awareness know, and kind of game intelligence with him, isn't it? Yeah, positions to 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 pick up, positions to run into, um, to stretch the pitch at times. Um, when to when to go long, when to come short. He's he's got he's got a good football brain, and um, he's someone that's that, that has massively impressed me. I mean, I, look, I honestly think you could play him a little bit deeper. I think he could he could come from deep. Um, I, I, but I, he's, a, he's a player that I, I've got a lot of confidence that he will have a long, long, successful career and will play at the very, very highest level. He's, he's, he's a player that does excite me. We, we had a long debate about what the best formation for this Ireland team was as Kenny got the job and and he developed and evolved. And then it's clear at the moment that the three at the back is the, is the direction he's going for now. But there is a world in which we suddenly have a bunch of young, very energetic midfielders like Knight, like Malumbi, like Josh Cullen, and maybe a, a three in that central area is is the direction we should go for the World Cup qualifying campaign, or by the end of the Euros, we could be getting there. So, you know, the, it's kind of unwritten for where Knight will will be if he's kind of, you know, somebody who is hard running and running past the the forwards. Yeah, he could play. He could play easily. I mean, look, you could play two split strikers um, and one in behind as a number ten which Jason Knight could play in. I think he could play a little bit deeper if, if need be. You're absolutely right that the three suits us. I, I said that as soon as, as, as Stephen Kenny got the job because when you're looking at the personnel uh, in, in the squad, you know the, the players at the back all played in the back three at club level, John Egan, Shane Duffy. Um, to get Coleman and Matt Doherty in the same team, it, it probably had to be a, a back three. Um, so, so I always felt that back three was, was the way to go. Um, and now you're right. I mean, look, against the very best teams, it might be that we have to adapt that a little bit, just that that front line, uh, maybe drop one in as a, as a number 10 because you know, a lot of teams play three in the middle of the pitch and you, you know, you've know got to be careful of that at times. So it, it might be that we adapt it and have two, two quick players up top who split. And um, I mean, look, it, it'd be interesting to see what, what happens against the very best sides. But 
it, it's options. You know, I think the back three absolutely is, is is cast in stone. And then and then you know you're going to have your two holding midfield players. Is it going to be one in front? Is it going to be two ahead and one up front? I mean, it, it, that's that's what Stephen Kenny's asked to decide game to game. But I think that's the only area where we'll see any change in terms of the formation. Do you think tomorrow night, Matt, we'll see more, maybe more evidence of the kind of. Um the useless, uh, you know, addition to to the kind of tactical side of things in possession and so forth, where because um, obviously, like there's a lot of chat about Andy Barry and the role he played. Uses very well regarded. This is a game where we'll have probably seventy percent, sixty seven percent possession, something like that. Will it? Will his impression kind of become evident? Do you think? Maybe. I mean, look, he hasn't had a lot of time, has he? Let's be honest. It's it's um, he, he, he's not had a great deal of, of time on the training ground with the players, particularly. Um, I, I know he's he's a well-regarded coach, and um, you know it will be interesting to see what what what, what uh, the way we go about things tomorrow, and if there is any influence from from John Eustace. But I think it's still very early in in his time, and it's it's a case of him trying to get to know the group, get to know the players, getting to know you know how things are done. Um, and 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 uh, so so I'm, I think it's it's still very early really to see to see what he's going to bring to the party, but but certainly he's a he's a well regarded coach, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing his influence in the coming months. It it is quite stark though, isn't it? That um, the the difference in the kind of almost like slave slave to the narrative philosophy of the early Kenny days of passing out from the back, and you know we saw what happened in Faro, and to lesser extent even against Serbia, where there is this more pragmatic kind of you know don't be afraid, we've pace on the on the break here, mix it up a bit. Absolutely, I think I, as I said, I, I think even in the early stages of the Belgium game, we didn't do it enough. Mm. I think because because Old Benny made made three or four, as, as I say, really good runs, um, and no one saw him or or didn't play it. And and so, absolutely, I think it's it's right to mix it up. You can't be you, you can't be a team that just plays in um, in front of teams. You've got to be able to get in behind them. And when we've got the pace that we've got at the top end of the pitch, then we have to utilise that. We can't be we can't be a side that just says, yeah, we'll keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball. At the end of it, there has to be some sort of penetration. And and uh, I think that's what we're seeing now. Um, but as I say, in the first twenty minutes of the game on Saturday, I still felt that we didn't do it enough. What should the ambition be? Uh, we, we've seen the importance of the uh, Nations League and progress progress through the Nations League. The, the teams who are using it as a method to actually find your best team, find your identity, find your style of play, get big crowds in for the home games. They're the ones who are progressing as we're seeing through the, the qualifiers and, and the playoffs at the moment. So it is actually important. Kenny, Kenny made a rod for his own back by saying he thinks we can get out of our group and we can progress and get up to the top tier. But in another way, while it's very un-Irish to be that ambitious publicly, maybe it's exactly the right thing to do. Absolutely, crikey! I mean, you know, you've got to set yourself targets. You've got to sell, you've got to be ambitious. There's, there's, there's no point playing the game if you if you're just taking part. You know, you have to ultimately get results. I mean, you know, even at the start, everyone was hoping that Stephen Kenny would turn things around, um, but the results weren't coming, and there was going to be a kind of stage where everyone was going to, that, that pressure was going to come on top of of Stephen. Um, but as it is, he has been able to turn that around, and I think he has to be ambitious. He has to set himself those targets, and um, and so yeah, w- w- the immediate aim is yeah, do well in the Nations League. But the ultimate aim is to qualify for Euro twenty twenty four. Like obviously, obviously, we want to qualify, but I, I didn't see I didn't see any reason for the criticism or like the suggestion that he shouldn't have said that we can top this Nations League group because for me, this is eminently achievable with this Ireland team. Definitely, definitely, I agree. I mean, you know, I, th- I think we are more than capable of, of doing that. No problem at all. Um, so, so he has to he has to be ambitious. I mean, I, I, 
I, I don't get it either. I mean, I, I didn't even know there was criticism of him for, for saying that because um, I think it's exactly the right thing to say. You know, you're a group of four teams and, and we're, we're a team that in good form, playing some good football, confident team. Why can't we win the week? We're in the group. I, I do I do think like the days of when Matty was playing in that era and it's twenty years ago now, but I do I do think this is the best team or the best the best vibe we've had about an Ireland team. Um I think since that time, Matty, where in fairness in your era, like we had proper world class players in attacking positions that we probably still don't have, but I don't know, do you do you feel that we might be hopefully coming back to that level? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, it'd be nice to it'd be nice to to qualify for the for the major tournaments and nice to qualify for a World Cup. I think that's that'd be the the ultimate aim. It's, as you say, twenty years since we we did that. So it, there's been a lot of World Cups since we since we last qualified. So I think that's that's probably the I said the ultimate goal being qualifying for Euro 2024. Yeah, I'd love you know we'd love to, but I think the the World Cup in in 2026 would be the dream really so yeah i i get a nice vibe about it i think i think i'm excited about where we're going and and how we're playing and and hopefully that those those um, ambitions can be realized so um yeah I, you're right i mean we don't have a robbie Keane, someone who's going to score you 60 odd goals for international level which is just a ridiculous number um we haven't got that at the moment a damien duff who who, who can you know do something out of nothing um but we, we have got some good players. We've got a good uh, vibe. We've got a good team look about us at the moment. And um, and they, they are the ambitions that we, we've got to try and rise to. Would you make many changes for the game against Lithuania? Or would you try and keep as many as you can without is, annoying your club manager? Difficult balancing act, isn't it? Because because ultimately you want to keep the run going. You want to make sure that you win the game. And that's the most important thing. Keep that run going. Keep that momentum. Um but but at the same time, you also know that um, there's a lot of club managers who'll be knocking on your door saying, "Can we just be a little bit careful with such and such? Can we be a bit careful with him because we need him for the running and we've got important games coming up." Um, and and you've also got a number of players who've who've travelled who are desperate to get some minutes and get on, onto the pitch. So yeah, ab- absolutely, there'll be um, there'll, there'll be a f- there'll be a few changes. Uh, how many? I'm not entirely sure, but but there will be some rotation. I, I think sure. that, that that's that's one of the real positives there now is that like I'm sure in in, in Matty's time and in every time there have been camps um, across like various countries where international players are indifferent, almost hoping they're injured for stuff like this. I think the Ireland players are absolutely buzzing to be involved with Ireland at the moment, regardless of what's going on at their club, and I think that's a great thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Players want to turn up, don't they, and play, and and they'll be knocking on on Stephen's door saying, "Please give me some minutes." I think the, the full stadium makes a difference as well, Matt. Oh, it's great! It's great! It's great! Yeah, the atmosphere was brilliant, wasn't it? It was. It was great when Thierry Henry made an appearance on the big screen, and that actually, <laughs> do you know, that actually probably turned the game a little bit, didn't it? I think Nathan Collins. Nathan Collins here on Saturday said, "If things are going bad, really? just put them on the big screen, and everything changes." And it actually did happen. Yeah, I've, I've, I've just had, I had dinner with a director actually who, um, <laughs> who, who did that, and, and he, he was talking about it and saying and, and said that the uh, he, he was about to bring it down, then the ball went out of place. He could leave he could leave the, the picture of Thierry on the screen a little bit longer, and um, and so and so he did. And uh, it did. It, it got the reaction, didn't it? That it needed. That that cha- that I, w- I would go as far as to say that changed the course. That director of Irish football. You know. <laughs> if we'd lost that game, who knows what might have happened? Thank you, Mister Director. Thank you for revealing oh, no, that story, Matty. <laughs> oh, no, brilliant, isn't it? Matt Holland, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers.
James, guys, see you. Bye-bye. That's uh, excellent insight I there. I <laughs> did not expect that. Into the moment of the game, you know? Who cares about Will Smith? OTB AM for your exclusive director director kind of uh, conversations. It did. It did. It, it, like, I, I, I had to work for off the ball. I couldn't make the game, despite representations of too much respect for John Duggan. I said, I'm not going to abandon you like Dan McDonald does to go to Lansdowne Road. So I had to watch the game on TV. Um, but the crowd did seem a little bit sort of in party mode for the first sort of whatever 20-25 minutes and when it just changed it really seemed to change when Thierry Henry appeared on the TV screen we should do this every game now just pull up Thierry Henry in the big screen no matter what (laughs) so we're playing England it's like Thierry Henry yeah (laughs) All right. very good Uh, it's 8.37 this morning here on OTBAM if you've got a view on the Republic of Ireland's performance at the weekend we'd love to hear from you you can uh, get it at uh, at offtheballam on Twitter or of course 0879-180-180 0879-180-180 is the WhatsApp number. It is uh, time for the sports pages. Yes, there are so many spoofers. There's a lot of horse. <laughs> I think he's a total spoofer. What do you mean a spoofer? He's a bullshit. Ah, no, I'm a, come on, don't, don't be, no, I'm not yes. no. Ah, you can't say that. Um, so, the back page of the English papers, um... Plans that would enable clubs to qualify for the Champions League based on historic performance and not their league position are back on the table a year after the collapse of the European Super League. Uh, This is being pushed by the clubs and that is uh, their controversial, it says, Champions League proposals. So basically, Champions League league positions are pointless. I don't know, will it happen? Moving day. Dubs lead Leinster race to bottom and Kenny, we're going great. G-R-E-I. GHT. They've, they've an interesting team there, the Sun. They've gone with kind of a capital gains, like a kind of... Capital strains and gains. Strains and gains. Mm. So they've sort of put some sort of nexus between Ireland and Dublin, which it's almost like the hurl. It's like it's a, appealing to a Dublin audience. Um, Maybe. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's the old Benny's there. The big population centre. Only you, Rue Snub Toffees, as heart set on Reds. He wants to be the Man United manager. He's like, nah, the Everton job. Not taking that. I'm going to be the United manager. Front page, chat, chat. Champion jockey, it's Nina Carberry after uh, last night. What a what a what a woman Nina is. Can I can I do this one? Yeah, go on. Yeah. I just love it's this. the star. Yeah. I, I I do love, I do love a photo of um, a player and uh, his mother after the game. And Joe Canning um, lost his mother in recent months, and the photo emerged of them um, of her smile as he came up to her. I'm pretty sure it was after the All-Ireland win 2017 and it was a beautiful, beautiful image and it's. I think it's lovely to see something like this. Just Jack McCarron's his mother, uh, Patricia, after the game and what that meant in Monaghan. Um, maybe Dick Clarkin says they're never going to win All-Ireland but, you know, just lo- looking at the TV last night, there seemed to be a raucous atmosphere in Clonus and Jack McCarron, I don't know, will he ever have a better day than that? The, the goal, the performance, the free kick at the end um, and then capped off and his mother is wearing a nice pair of Ray-Bans to Patricia as if she knew she was going to be on the back page. Do they say we'll never win All-Ireland to not jinx it. Is or, it like a reverse jinx? Because when you look at you look at Kevin McStay last night and like he's he's basically talking up Mayo big time. He's like yeah. the amount of chances they had. But obviously people in Mayo will you shut up, Kevin, will you shut up? Ah, we, no, we'll no, not, no, we'll, oh think. will you play it down, we'll never win all our look what happened this last year, Kevin, stop will you? Right. They they create a lot of chance, whereas Dick Clark might be doing the, the exact opposite. 
There's Max Daly's obviously conscious the fact that good friend of mine, Shane Lohan, the commissioner we call him, he, he gets it right. He said, this is Mayo's year and he always is knocking Mayo. He doesn't like Mayo. He says, Mayo will win the All-Ireland this year. Right. I am kind of thinking it might be this year as well, Ger. At 8.40 this morning, John Duggan is here. John. Ger and Johnny, how are we doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad, thanks. Where do you want to start? Wow. I was kind of angry about this whole league thing. I was like a league Sunday was on for two hours last night and thinking, oh, like this is just such a pain because it was so exciting yesterday. It was presenting and you're seeing the split screen on the TV and Nemeton and the permutations and everything. And then Shane Hannon tweeting out like they'd almost won the All-Ireland up in Monaghan. It was an ice cream day for them. And you're going into the drudgery of the provinces now. And I just, this is probably the best day we're going to have in GA football until the All-Ireland's semi-finals. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, this is just a lot of bull. Do you think we're moving more towards some sort of a league format as the All-Ireland? I, ho- I hope that would have been the case with Proposal we B. We had the chance. We yeah, the I can. think it'll take time, though. Well, uh, how much time? I'm 1884. I know. 2022. How much bloody time? So many stories yesterday. Like, mm. the Dubs travelling up to Monaghan. A great day. The first day we good weather. Loud being promoted. Mickey Harsh. Back-to-back promotions. Limerick getting into Division 2. Loud's back to back as well. Yeah, Cork and Offaly, like down to the wire. Just a brilliant day of stories. You could talk like it's stories to last a whole week. And imagine you had that every week and what that could generate in terms of the interest and the buzz around county towns. And I just feel it's so frustrating that you've got the drudgery of these provinces that mean nothing. And they mean nothing because of the back door. And you're going to have this fudge structure with these seedings. And then you've got these four groups of four and 16 teams. It is just so wrong for me, and that's my kind of feeling about it. In terms of the dubs, they've just come back to the pack. Kildare Meads will feel they have a chance now of, of winning Leinster for the first time. Do you reckon? Outside of Dublin, I think since 2010. Uh, there's, there's, there's so many things you could point at. Like, we don't really know yet. Um, Desi Farrell didn't seem too perturbed. But, like, I, there was a reason I put Jim Gavin on Mount Rushmore uh, when I did the Dublin Mount Rushmore. There'll never be another. And there, there, there's so many things. But I, I do think if you're so sated like the Dubs were, and if you lose Cluxton and Mannion and McCaffrey, and possibly with the players there, is the hunger there? There has to be questions probably asked by the management of the coaching. 3-13, a concession to Monaghan. Dubs have beaten these teams before they even got onto the pitch in, in previous years. Kildare play Dublin this year to say, is Daniel Flynn the most talented player in the pitch? He's Con playing. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Do you know? I mean, like played you were, very well last year, despite the yeah. Well, you're you're also talking about like um, a generational midfielder in Fenton, whose form isn't at yeah. his all time high. One of the best midfielders of all time. But he's he's in that he's been in that conversation with Jack O'Shea. Mm. So like Daniel Flynn is not in that conversation, you mm. know. And I think um, Flynn needs to put together a season or two or three where he is his game involvement isn't just amazing goals that are scored out of nothing but that actually he's using his pace and power to bring mm. other players into it like he's unbelievably gifted he is as gifted as any footballer that's out there at the moment but you know we've, we've seen those players sometimes mature quite late where it looks like they're capable of doing anything but actually they put together three or four seasons in a row mm. in their late 20s early 30s and that's the period where but it'd be great if we could The buzz is kind of back in Gilder Well yeah yeah I think that um I think you'd make Dublin two to three point favourites if they were to play in a Leinster semi-final or final. That's amazing. Like, that last year, that was 13. Well, like, that is a seismic, seismic difference. Two to three, it might be more than that. But he, that, I don't, I, the, I, the fact that we're saying that and JD's even saying Meath could possibly win Leinster or think that they could win it, is a, it's an amazing change in 12 months. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, I, the retirements have been mm. like absolutely critical to that. You know, like it, the the Dublin team is no longer the Dublin team. There's more to it than that, though, Ger. There's like the, you look at their defending yesterday. The body language throughout the league, a lot of like even the the, the mistakes, uh, the mistakes that were made, like McCarthy's mistake that led to the first yellow and so on. You're but like, they didn't win a lot of leagues under Jim Gavin. They didn't. They didn't get relegated though. No, I mean it wasn't. Like lost to our mad home, lost uh, to our mad Crow Park. Monaghan's like, record is really good. Yeah, I, I but I, I think that like you, you if you take the hundred and fifty All Ireland medals out of the dressing room mm. and you inject it with lads who didn't get any game time mm. previously because the person who was bef- ahead of them was an all time great, you know, a, a team of the millennium contender. It's difficult. So there's a, that transition period and whether or not they can accelerate that and whether or not the players get their form and hunger back, it'll be very interesting to see. So Yeah, uh, transition's healthy. Uh, renewal's healthy. It's I'm relaxed about it. Uh, I think it's going to be a wide open All-Ireland series this year. I think Kerry is still the favourites, but Tyrone winning down in Killarney for the first time in 19 years yesterday was important. Darren McCurry with 1-7. Um, Galway, until yesterday, had a unblemished record. Look, it, it, it is the best competition, but the one with the least meaning compared to the championship. We will not know really until we see the patterns emerge within the championship. And the hurling front, I do think Waterford are right there. They are right there in terms of the all Ireland race. I can see that more clearly than I can maybe see the football. 520 to 16. I know Wexford didn't really show up yesterday, but Waterford were clearly a better team, whether Wexford yeah. uh, had shown up or not. Ozzie Gleeson getting 2-3 before being sent off. So that uh, final between Waterford and Cork is in Thurless on Saturday. Then you've got the doubleheader next Sunday, Croke Park across Common Galway and Kerry and Mayo in the Football League. Scotty Scheffler is the number one in the world. Amazing stuff. Six weeks ago, he'd never won a tournament. He's won three in the last 42 days. Obviously, the recency bias in the world rankings is wrong. It should be weighted more towards the majors. But it just, I suppose, shows the depth of, of talent there is in golf at the moment. And John Ram has been displaced by Scotty Scheffler, who won the match playing Texas, beat Kevin Kisner. Seamus Power, up to 41st, is in the Masters. What a story that is. 429th in the world at the end of 2020. He pockets 350 grand for this. 350 grand, it's not bad. Not bad for uh, a bit of work. Nice house on the beach in Waterford uh, when he goes home. Yeah, well, well, well yeah. three hundred fifty grand in Dublin right now might get you like a front gate, maybe. Um, and you actually, first of all, you have to get a mortgage. Uh, now he's he's okay on that front. Second of all, he has to get somebody to pull up the gate, and then t- thirdly, he'll have a myriad of other problems. You so can turn up, you can turn up with cash in an envelope. And ah, it's James Right, yeah, yeah. that's fine. Totally legit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Max Verstappen winning in Saudi Arabia. It was uh, a good overtaking maneuver to overhaul Charles Leclerc for the Drive to Survivors. Uh, they're back in vogue. Um, and obviously we're all giddy about what happened on Saturday with- Are you giddy, JD? I'm, I'm feeling good about it, but I do think like, if you even look at the second goal, um, we can't get too carried away. Um, I do feel there's an authenticity there with the team and there's a connection with the team and the supporters. And I do feel if we go down, we will go down fighting. Um, but I, I, like, there will be a reality check and also beating teams that are weaker than us like Lithuania on Tuesday uh, is important because I, that's something we struggle to do I, you, you have to look at you still have to look at the players that were playing on Saturday like we've James McLean playing left wing back we have Ogbeni who's playing for Rotherham up front with Callum Robinson who's been struggling at club level Jason Knight who's playing for Derby at the bottom of the championship Josh Cullen's playing for Anderlecht Hendrick you know, has had a very patchy, he's had to le- go out on loan. The sum of their parts are still like, we should be really impressed at this level of players because, 
like we're talking to Matt Holland there. I mean, we're still miles off that kind of caliber of player that that we had. Yes, we're able to say, yeah, we can beat Belgium at home, even a second stream Belgium. I think like the, in terms of what how far we've come in that twelve months is quite stark. Well, and we're scoring goals. Though. Yesterday was twelve months to the day of Luxembourg, so mm-hmm. that was a real nadir. So look, it's positive. The Nations League will tell a lot. Um, yeah, and and all that stuff, all the noise is gone around the contract. The so. culture war is over. Yeah, if so, it ever existed for me. Anyway. I mean, it clearly did. There were definitely people on the board who were reluctant, and but there was a lot of red, like, leaks uh, coming. I know. You know t- I know. Text messages don't necessarily reflect on Saturday or Sunday. What you know, the wider public things. There was a lot of rage around after the Azerbaijan game. And people going, "Get this guy out!" Mm. So that has dissipated. Um, you're not seeing that now when people... I always felt like when you, when COVID was over, what would the people on the ground to go to the game say? And they've... they've They showed up. They've clearly endorsed what's happening. You know, I thought that Azerbaijan game was actually the nadir for me because um, he got his team selection totally wrong. Like, he went with the three lads up front. It didn't work. And in the second half, we resorted to old-school tactics to get a crappy draw. And to me, that was the nadir because the Luxembourg game, there was no one at it and there were other extenuating circumstances. That was probably, for me, the low point and we've come a long way, thankfully, since then. Yeah, let's hope there are no more Luxembourg or Azerbaijan. <laughs> or Azerbaijan's or, or gone down to, against Andorra. In our future, yeah. Uh, anything else, JD? Not really not much going on today. It's been a strange uh, week, really. There's not much been happening until yesterday and then like, re- you re- literally could spend the next three to four days going po- pouring over what happened in the league yesterday. And that's going to be a bit lost, and that's a bit of a shame. I thought you'd have been in uh, the Harold House last night. Big celebrations for Maidan McGuinness. Well, a case of you winning uh, uh, in Maidan at the weekend, that was worth, what, um, over 600,000 for a case of you and Maidan McGuinness and Rona Whelan winning that huge race, that Group 1 contest in Maidan on Dubai World Cup weekend, where where Frankie Dottori won the big race. So... And then they had, like, oh, like uh, I was told to back Spanish tenor yesterday and I didn't at Nace. And I'm, I'm, I, it's an absolute disaster because he was 28 to 1 in the morning. Um, and they had a laugh a minute win. They're a yard really on the up, Ada McGuinness's yard. So uh, no celebrations for me, though, still, Johnny, until Easter Sunday. As hard as it's getting now not to celebrate um, the sun. And What's the, the weather? Easter Sunday's going to be it, some celebration. It, it's, it's literally now, like, walking through town, this is, this is peak, this is peak people watching, sitting on the stools, uh, Afternoon pines weather. Jesus and JD will rise again. Yeah. So, what did you think of uh, Will Smith? Me? Yeah. I think he's got issues. <laughs> uh, I think that first of all, he shouldn't have done what he did, and then you're crying. Um, but also takes away from the Williams family. And secondly, uh, how many best actor Oscars do you win? Like Robert De Niro won it once. This happens maybe once in your career, and like Hollywood to me is finished. And I think the Oscars has jumped the shark. Uh, that's my personal opinion. Um, and I just thought it, this was this was strange stuff. This just I don't know what you guys think, but I just found it mm-hmm. very strange. I, I I just was watching it and still haven't kind of because we came straight on air, got up, watched this, come straight on air, and it's my toes. You the toes is actually right beside yeah, me. Yeah, I had to watch Will Smith, and I missed the part where he actually decked him. I think JD might be right though. It's it's a bit mad. In terms of your like, you'd be, general well being, you'd be remembered for this rather than winning the best actor. Or Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Garrity says, Paddy O'Shea on Dinny Allen, that was some slap. Yeah. That, well, that was a punch. And he the, I just got up. Th- th- this was a slap like you'd see in a Batman cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, it, wa- it was. Because I was looking at it and I was like, did that actually, was that one of these really badly acted slaps? You know, a, a, yeah. a, like a, something out of Andy Kaufman. It was yeah. a, a fake thing. It, it, yeah, it was like that. It was like that. I've only watched it once. But it, it, if it was a punch, you're sure he would have obviously gone into the ground. Mm. Um, 
not that in any way we're advocating that. It's, uh, it, I just, and then he's in tears. I just think the, the whole thing is utterly bizarre. You, you couldn't have scripted it. Thierry Henry. scripted. I don't think it was. No. I don't think it was. The, rea- the reactions, uh, the, the people have done montage of the reactions in the, in the, in, in the audience. It's uh, something, something to see. Nice Thier- segue to Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry. Uh, Noel Cal says, it was pathetic. I was embarrassed by the booing. We're worse than England in the Maradona handball. Get over yourself, he's saying. Uh, but no, you let the ball bounce. In the, you let the ball bounce in the penalty area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, that that Roy Keane's reaction was interesting, but no, it wasn't so much Thierry Henry handling the ball. It was sitting down beside Richard Dunn, like they were kind of two lads like chatting about the weather, not having it. And then he'll never be forgiven for it. Should they have applauded him instead? Says Luke Moran. Wouldn't exactly call it embarrassing, Noel. And Adrian says that comment is embarrassing. Henry celebrated wildly after cheating, then sat down with Dunn playing the nice guy. Exactly. Never forget. Never forgive, and whatever you say, say nothing. <laughs> OTBAM was brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish your day. John, thanks very much for that. More from JD across the course of the day on otbsports.com and on the OTB Sports app. Paul Finley was covering Monaghan Dublin and Clonus with us yesterday. Here he is with Stephen Doyle talking about Jack McCarran's performance. Jack McCarran, what could you say about his performance? You know, it was just sublime. You know, everything that you would like about a forward, Jack McCarran displayed it today. There was dummies, there was beautiful scores kicked off left and right. There was a beautiful, you know, chip goal that you know that we, we love to see Gaelic football guys displaying these sorts of skills. Like so, and then did that all important score at the end when you know it looked like maybe Dublin had snatched a draw with a late penalty. You know, for Jack to stand up on the 45-yard line and be able to kick a free from that, with all sorts of pressure on. You know. Credit to them, credit to the team. As I say, I didn't see it coming, but they got the job done and it's another Houdini act, you could call it, but, you know, it's just what Monaghan do. Yeah, that was um, high praise for uh, Jack McCarran's performance there. Text from a Dublin fan, um, be big into it. I'd say Kerry would destroy them in a semi-final. Kerry defensively, to me, I don't know, again, I'm looking at the highlights yesterday, but they don't, they don't, they don't exactly look um, impenetrable at all, like. Anthony Moyles is with us this morning. Anthony, good morning to you. How are you? Jens, how are we doing? Yeah, good. Uh, wild speculation from an unnamed source in uh, Johnny's... Kev uh, Coughlin. Good Jude's man. His, his uh, kitchen cabinet. Kerry would destroy Dublin in a semi-final. Would they? Mm. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't need to destroy them. Um, I'm not. I'm not as downbeat on Dublin as, as some people seem to think. I've, I've been trying to fly the flag here, which is a bit strange, obviously, for the last number of weeks. But I think even the results yesterday, um, like I heard Desi Farrell's interview, obviously with, with the lads earlier on. Um, I don't think he's overly worried here. I don't think he's. I don't think he's that worried at all. Like I mean, they could have won the game. They could have drawn the game. They should have drawn the game. Um, you know. Like I mean, they 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 had the game in the death, and they kicked some really bad wise in the last four or five minutes. The last four or five minutes of the first half, they should have kicked three scores. They should have went in ahead actually at halftime instead of going two points behind. Um, butchered a couple of goal chances, you know. Isolated Mickford Simons in with Jack McCarran. Johnny Cooper was all at sea at number six. Didn't know where they were. They had no defensive structure in the sense of being able to support and being able to hold that central column. Johnny Small is a big loss there. Um, but he will be back. And again, we're back to the old, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Conor Callahan to come back and Paddy Small to come back. You know, so 
And again, you take Dublin out of Crow Park, people have been saying it for a long, long time, um, and 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 they just don't like, they love the confines of Crow Park, they're well used to it, it's like, you know, everyone knows, home ground, et cetera, et cetera, but it just gives them comfort. Um, whereas when they're out, and they're out of their bubble a little bit, they're out of their comfort zone. They don't. They don't particularly like it. And I, I just thought their performance yesterday was very, very flat, Jerry. Like if you looked at Fenton, I haven't seen Fenton play as poor in a game as a long, long time. He had zero influence. Um, real lack of energy. If you watch even some of the goals, the very first goal, Mick Fitzsimons actually stops. He kind of slows down. Mm. He kind of says, oh, someone else will get him. When actually, if he, if he really busted a gut to get back to the ball, he probably could have got a block on it. Howard did the same. The ball was there to be blocked and fellas kind of going in. They weren't jumping at, at, at the feet of the Monaghan players. So I just thought it was a flat performance for them. Second half, they picked it up a bit. But um, How are you, you flat, could, though, in your final league game, if that makes sense? Yeah, it, well, look, it's a very valid question. I, I, like, they, they put, I think, a bit big, big effort into the last two games. Um, and I don't know, Johnny, I don't know if it's expectation. I don't know if it's the fact of just travelling to the game, uh, going to Monaghan, everything else. Like, I mean, as I said to you, I've been in some of those games where you just it just ends up being flat for whatever reason. I remember we played Cavan and Clonus one day in the championship and it was a warm day and just you just couldn't get going. I don't know, it was the bus journey. You're just kind of fellas, just legs are heavy. Um, maybe they put in a big, big week of work this week. I'm not sure. Um, but they, they, they looked flat. Monaghan, Monaghan love, Monaghan love a challenge like that. Like, I mean, I, you know, I heard, I heard a Dick Clerken comment about, you know, we don't win all Ireland's like, Maybe that's a, that's a little bit kind of harsh, but I but I I think it it does delve into the psyche of the Monaghan maybe players and maybe some some of the, the people around the Monaghan football in the sense of they always want to go against they always love to be the underdog going against the bigger the bigger fish um, and Monaghan when they have been made favourites in games haven't really held that tag too well in the last number of years um, and, and it's been something that's nearly come back to bite them a lot of times they love to try to knock the person down off the pedestal that's the big one for them um, and more often than not when they've been favourites for some things maybe sometimes they, they, they have faltered a bit so um, yesterday you know last week I was saying to you Jer, my banker was monitoring to go down well there you go and I did say though that's probably wrong and the more I read about all the Houdini acts over the last number of years um, I got more and more worried about that particular prediction because, like, I mean, Jesus, fair play to them. It was an amazing stuff. They battled absolutely. And they showed they showed the energy and they showed the drive and they showed the intensity that Dublin didn't really have. They had it in spells. And when I say flat, Johnny, they weren't flat for the whole game, but they just mm. there was just those moments, those critical moments where you're kind of going, ah, uh, you know, wrong shot selection again. Um, fellas just not really breaking a gut to get busting a gut to get back, and they haven't helped Shields out in goal at all. Like Comerford is a big loss. Obviously, we all know Cluxon's a massive loss, but Comerford was like a mini me version of him, um, and his kickouts were excellent. But Shields struggled really badly. They got cleaned out in midfield yesterday. How was there any doubt about the penalty? By the way, I mean, was that not the most blatant? He was actually decapitated nearly on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think I didn't think there was any doubt about it to be honest with you uh, absolutely not and what like I mean what a build up to it mm, uh, I mean, the pass was sublime like the, the pass I like the goal was great 
But that pass mm. was even better because if you watch it, Johnny Cooper was way off Moan. He, he was standing too far off him. And it was like a backdoor cut in basketball. Moan pretended to come towards the ball. And then he actually points. He's like in over his head. He points to him. He says, just put it in there for me. And he slipped a beautiful ball in over the top. But if you watch Dublin, very lackluster getting back. No one sees the danger from the far side. Howard is on the far side and he stays with his man instead of saying, uh-oh, the danger is inside here. I have to sprint in. So they're the little kind of moments that I'm talking about. But fair play to Monaghan, an amazing result. Um, and a result that would really boy well for them when coming into the championship. Well, I was going to ask, can that catapult them to stop thinking we'll never win in All-Ireland? Like, internally, somebody in the dressing room must be going, well, Tyrone did it. And like, we're not far off where Tyrone were last year. And Tyrone managed last year to go all the way. And I mean, a, a weird sequence of events led them there, but it, it got them there in the end. Like, Monaghan surely must view themselves as capable of beating any of the other teams in the country on the day. Yeah, they have. They, sh- they should be, absolutely. Like, I mean, and if you think about it, you know, they did it yesterday without McManus. So they did it without their talisman, who's been there, the, the, the totem pole for the last four or five years, the guy who they've majorly re- relied on. So, you know, if they'd won yesterday and McManus had scored, as usual, six or seven or eight points, you'd kind of say, well, they're still very reliant. But yesterday they did it without him. So McCarty was excellent. He had an absolute nightmare last week against Kildare because they put him into a very weird, I think, number six position, Mark, Mark and uh, Ben McCormick. He got absolutely cleaned out. Um, and it was a major cause of all the issues. Didn't know where they were defensively last week. And, and so they righted that. Bit of a strange situation last week, but anyway, they righted that this week and it got much more solid in the defence, um, much more tenacity. Like I, I, I referenced it last week, how, how how kind of passive they were in the tackle. You know, lots of bodies around there, but no one really influencing the ball and getting hits on. Whereas yesterday, you know, they were they were tackling ferociously. Yesterday, they were getting into the Dublin lads' faces. There were every double every score Dublin lads got was hard earned. Um, but could they easily do it? I tell you, who's a, who's a, who's a kind of a flaw in the ointment for them in in a positive way? Sheedy's there on the on on, on the sideline. Liam Sheedy's there now. Sheedy knows Sheedy's won all Ireland's, and Sheedy knows what's needed to win all Ireland's. And he's that type of a infectious character. Very very nice fella. Very um, you know kind of personable guy. But by Jesus, when the when when you want to try, have someone to 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 up the ante uh, and to get you going, you know, there's no better man there. So. Uh, you know, you've 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 him on one side, you've him on the other. So, like, I mean, I don't think they'll 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 really they, they won't fear for motivation. Um, but my 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 the one thing for them is is that is that slight lack of ambition when they get into the kind of when when they're when they're destined and they're kind of said right, you know, you guys are are, are favourites for this and you should go ahead and the the, the pressure is applied on them and that's that's sometimes where they falter and and that's. That's more obviously a big psychological thing rather than a football ability thing. No, nothing psychologically wrong with Tyrone who went to um, Kerry and, and won in Killarney. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I say this on the show all the time. Brent Pope had that line about never give a sucker an even break. Kerry needed to just drag Tyrone and go, no, we, last year we annihilated you in the league. We're not going to annihilate you, but we're going to beat you and we might end up relegating you because they didn't know what was going to happen with the other results. Never give a sucker an even break. And Carrier like, oh yeah, Tyrone, what could possibly go wrong? We're allowing you to thrive and get a get a victory today and get some confidence. No, this this is definitely not going to come back and bite us in the hole, is it? Yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a strange one for me. Um, in the sense of that, that's exactly it felt to me that they did right. You know, like I was a bit worried last week. Not worried, but I was kind of thinking to myself, how is O'Connor going to face this game? 
Um, is he going to go full throttle? You know, is he going to have the players? And no matter, I, I, I still, people would say, oh, well, he had a strong team out, which he did have a strong team out. But it doesn't make a difference if you have a strong team out. If, if in that build-up to that game, things are slightly off, or if the players sense that, you know what, the dial has been dropped down a little bit, and, and the, the, the importance and the enormity of this game isn't all that great. Um, well, then that filters through the players. And no matter what you think, it gets into the player's head. Um, and that level of intensity just drops slightly. And I definitely thought, thought it did drop. I thought, I thought Tyrone were kind of nearly able to do it. It was a great game, but I thought Tyrone, you know, were, 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 were able to dictate a little bit, um, which you wouldn't expect, obviously, where the game was played. Um, and just... Yeah, they gave the as you say they gave them an, they gave them an even break. Um, now, in the, on the flip side, I've, I've been very critical of Tyrone in the last number of weeks. I just thought they'd been all at sea. Um, but yesterday was the first time they had a really, really solid. They, they seem to have their best players in their best positions yesterday, um, and then they seem to have other guys who have been a little bit off, really coming back uh, and, and playing well. Um, the strength and depth is called like McShane hasn't really set the, the world alight at full forward, but then they bring in the likes of Richie Donnelly or even Matty Donnelly, and the two of them are just able to say, Well, listen, if you're not doing it, we'll come in and we'll yeah. do it. They've an unbelievable, like, you know, it's funny when you start to see them all coming back, you're looking at the bench and you're going, Wow. And Canavan has been unbelievable, and McCurry has been unbelievable, and Hart has been unbelievable. So, you know, they're not gone away as absolutely not a chance, have they? Um, and, and yesterday, is you know you saw the scenes afterwards they were out signing autographs for ages you could see that obviously the, the the management team were delighted that's that's a massive one for them jerry so you know we spoke a couple of weeks about it about the those last two league games how important they are yeah. for running into the training into the championship and that's a that's a big upward trajectory now for tyrone over the last couple of weeks okay you picked your five most informed players from the 2022 league who's on your list well, there's only four Mead lads on it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I stuck a Kildare lad in it then for the crash. <laughs> no. Well, I, you know what? It's, it's one of these, of course. Tommy hits me with this, you know, and I'm like, Tommy, I would like to sleep tonight, you know, because the name's <laughs> rocking around in my head and I'm thinking, no, Jesus, I'm going by. And then I'm thinking, do I have to get very scientific about this? Because, of course, I heard you, Johnny, the abuse you were getting. I, I, there's no doubt I'd get abused for this because then you said, Jesus, how, how could you leave out this fella? How could you leave out that fella? So I, I, I'm going to go, Jer, with I think the people who remain consistently uh, important for their teams over the over the course of the league. You know, not just one hit wonders or one game wonders. So, um, and and of course, look, I mean, it's predominantly going to be Division One, of course, with, with, with some honorary mentions for the rest of the guys, but. Um, I think, you know, if you look at it, if you start about Tyrone, I think McCurry has been unbelievable. Um, he's been practically, you know, you haven't been able to defend against him. You know, he's been scoring for fun. Uh, he's been he's been a guy up front where, where they've struggled. Now, Kahneman has been good. Can I just do briefly, briefly on McCurry, right? Because we, we uh, when Bernard Brogan had his book out, there was a bit where Brogan was coming off the bench and he kept getting blocked down. In the Kildare game, McCurry got blocked down uh, for a goal chance and I was like wow that's that's an amazing bit of that's brilliant three minutes later same chance back in the net and you're like oh my god this guy this guy like it, it did strike me that sometimes um, forwards need another another chance to get their eye in and that one of the things that Dublin did with Brogan actually at the end was not give him that opportunity to get his eye back in and they kind of wasted 
the last couple of years and you can't say that because they won the six in a row so it doesn't really matter but it just did strike me that McCurry's now at a stage of his career where he's getting the love and support and he's he's being backed in everything he does so even if somebody has his measure for a few minutes in a game the mm. management art's going right hook you're off they're like yeah you're our boy you go and you go and fix that because we know you're going to fix it absolutely and by the way the, the the flip side of that of course is as a player and as a, as a forward that's an unbelievable thing to know so you're not looking over your shoulder when you make a mess of something you're not thinking geez i didn't win that ball or i got blocked down or my man got out in front of me you're not having to worry about that you're safe and you're confident in the view that actually you know what that one's not going to matter and as a defender what the horrible thing is is even if you win one or two balls off him, you know I'm still under pressure. He's not going to get the shepherd's hook. He's probably going to, if he gets another ball, he's going to make a fool out of me. Like, I mean, if you, if you look at that goal, time, time slows down with him. You know, the, they say about the best forwards, obviously, that you nearly, you know, instead of going plus four, plus six on the old fast forward, it goes the other way. Fellas, like the Gooch, all these guys were able to just get the ball, the balance they have, and the ability then to see what's available, whether it's a pass, whether it's a step inside. Like, I mean, that goal against Kildare is a perfect example of it. Um, so he's just been, he, he's been excellent. He's been really, really good. And where he was, that fringe player who, who if it didn't happen for him after 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, you could see he was under pressure and he was getting hooked all the time, which must have killed his confidence really, really hard uh, on, on a forward. He has, you know, he's, 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 he's stood up and he is, he's shown, uh, uh, the, the, you know, the country, his ability and, and fair play to him. Um, he's vital for them. Okay. Um, I think Clifford, look, you, you can't look past Clifford with Kerry, Jer. You know, Paddy Clifford has been very good, but obviously David Clifford has just been, again, he's taking the mantle on his shoulders. He's saying, listen, give me the ball. I don't care whether you give me the ball with two defenders on me, three defenders on me. Um, I'll sell dummies. I'll physically dominate you. Um, I'll bring players into the, into the game. I'll do what's needed. Um, and again, it's going to be a very, very exciting summer watching him. You know, I think Ty Morley has been really good. Like I know Johnny was saying there, I think Kerry, okay, take away yesterday. Defensively, I think they've really improved actually this year. I think they've been excellent um, and they've been quite mean. Um, so they've got themselves into a good, good place, I think, from, from a defensive point of view. Morley has been kind of resurrected in that sense at six. Um, it was a real issue for them. They were struggling at six and they found him there now and he has settled in and he's, and he's starting to dominate uh, games. But I think he's just more comfortable because they have an extra man behind him and, 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 and it's, it's, it's tighter for him. Um, O'Connor in midfield has been very, very good for him. But the, the, the standout man is Clifford um, and has been. I think Paddy McBrady has been really good for Donegal. You know, that's a massive win for them yesterday. They probably could have won it by more. I don't know how kind of, you know, into it, Armagh, where uh, they kind of fielded a, a, a weakened side. Um, McGinney will be happy, and he'll be happy with the with the way, obviously, they came back at Donegal and nearly could have levelled it or even stole the game. Um, but Donegal will be will be delighted with, like, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were playing absolutely turgid stuff, you know, very slow, very laboured, no ingenuity at all, just completely devoid of, of, of ideas, going across the pitch, and McBurdy was the only man, even during all of that, who actually was saying, give me the ball, I'll stick it over the bar. You know, like, I mean, he he rattled, I think, 1-7 or 1-8 against Dublin. Uh, I think he got 5 or 6 or 7 yesterday. You know, he's just been absolutely brilliant. It's great to see him back. A fellow who obviously suffered a really, really bad injury. And all of a sudden, Donegal are kind of going, hmm, okay. You know, they're not gone away at all. So Ulster, as usual, will just be an absolute, 
nightmare to come out of. Uh, and whoever comes out of it will will have will have will have obviously earned their spurs, you know. Um McCurry, Clifford, McBrady, who are the final two? Uh I think I think we you know, when you look at Mayo obviously How long did it take you to fall asleep last night? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tired. I got one hour of sleep. You can see the lines of my face, Johnny. Yeah. It's, been, it's, been, it's, been quite a, it's been quite an event. Believe it. O'Donoghue for Mayo um, has been really good. I was I I thought after the All Ireland final last year he could go one of two ways. After missing the penalty, and a lot of people probably would have said, you know, that was the turning point. He could have just boom gone away. Lack of confidence as a forward, a fella who probably would have, you know, maybe had a hard winter. Um, but he went the other way, and which is brilliant for him. Young guy, you know, he took it on. He obviously had good people around him to say, listen, don't worry about it. You know, these things happen. Pick your head up and go again. And he's been absolutely fantastic for them this year. He's been a guy that isn't just taking on scores. He's been winning his own ball, winning dirty ball, getting hit, you know, getting up, taking his own freeze. Um, and when, they, when they've struggled, obviously, without having Killian O'Connor and other guys up front at times, he has really done it for them. So he's been excellent. I think, I think uh, Jordan Flynn has been really good for them as well. He scored 1-2 yesterday from midfield. Um, and he's a guy that I, I've been watching. He's, he, you know, Ruan sometimes gets whipped off. He does a lot of hard work, but Flynn does just as much. And another fella who kind of came out of, uh, uh, you know, the shadows, I suppose, over the last over the last number of years. So he's been really good. Just on our ma, I think obviously uh, uh, Neil, Ron, the the the, the Ronan Neil has been really good. Um, They've been excellent. I think Armagh are, are, are building nicely. So McGinney is getting them going well. As I said, I don't think he'd be too worried about Jesse. They, they'll be primed for, for, for Donegal in a couple of weeks. Um, and then uh, I think, look, I think Dublin need a mention. There hasn't been many who've been really, really consistent for them. But I think Costello has been one that has, has stood up. Now, there was one or two incidents yesterday where I thought balls came into him. They were 50-50 balls, balls that you have to go for. And he kind of... He, he, for me, he didn't go full-blooded for them, but that's always a question mark over him. But at the same time, when he got the ball in his hand, he was absolutely dangerous, and he has been dangerous in all the other games he's played. So he he, he has been a a, a, a a big addition to them. And when they get the rest of the players back, you know, they probably need him firing and obviously Dean Rock firing on all cinder, cylinders as well to complement uh, O'Callaghan and Kenny. Um, there's a couple of lads there. I think Ryan Houlihan has been brilliant for Kildare, the cornerback. I think he was away for a couple of years and he was doing some duty with the, with the army. But he has been an absolutely brilliant addition to that full back line. A guy who's well, very sticky, well able to go forward, and he's been brilliant. Um, I can't say you know go through Sam Mulroy. I think for Loud has been brilliant. They got promotion, really, really brilliant under Mickey Hart. They struggled obviously at the start of the league. I think they lost one or two or drew a couple of games at the start. It didn't look very good for them. They got an absolute cleaning, I think, from Leash, uh, let in a lot of goals. And then they just have seemed to got their defensive structure right. And to be fair, they won, I think, four or five on the bounce. So they've got promoted now. And Malloy has been brilliant, kicking unbelievable scores. Um, and I can't I can't keep going without obviously mentioning the Mead man. And that man is Harry Hogan, um, our goalkeeper. And, you know, it's been a problem area for me over the last number of years. And in this lad, I think they have a real find. He's not only a very, very good goalkeeper, you know, at, sh- at shot stopping and organisation and everything else coming out of the ball, but he's brilliant uh, with his restarts, his kickouts. He's excellent off the deck for for shooting for fifties or whatever it is, freeze. Um, and he's and he's a good lad, and and I think he's uh, he's going to be a massive find for them for for this year. All right, Mix- um, go on. 
Yeah, and just two more, Jerry. You can't you can't probably talk about you know kind of the the, the talk of the league without mentioning that steward last week in Crow Park, who who undoubtedly was the extra man for Dublin last week, and pity they couldn't bring him to. Uh, yeah, to Monaghan this week. I don't know if you saw him. I think the lads had a bit of footage on him, but this fella is, uh, he should be an honorary member now of the Dublin squad, I think. He should be brought in, but only only to be tipped by the Mayor Rishke yesterday from Monaghan, who uh, who didn't, who got a bit of slagging from the Dublin fans on the, uh, up on their, on their patch yesterday and uh, decided to give them the bird as he, as he was running back to the sideline. <laughs> so yeah, you need to check that footage out. <laughs> Ah, it's all, all good clean fun until someone loses an eye good stuff Anthony thanks a million for joining us cheers alright lads no worries Anthony giving us some thoughts on the weekend's GA action you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream we'll get to it in a couple of minutes time OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day uh, here's what we got on OTB Sports Radio which is on uh, on your uh, radio dial wherever you uh, listen to us. You can get it on the sports app. You can get it at otbsports.com. Lucchini is OTB Gold, State of the Union at 3 o'clock. Splunk Sport at 4. And OTB Gold is James McLean in studio talking with Nathan. And the show is obviously live tonight. Up next, Alan Quinlan joins us to look back on the opening weekend of the TikTok Women's Six Nations. Right, it is 17 minutes past nine. OTBAM is brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Alan Quinlan is not with us just yet. We'll get to him in a second. He's going to talk to us about the uh, weekend where Ireland were beaten by Wales uh, 29-17. And it was, um, I don't know, the, the break-even performance, I think, is what the, the rugby journalists who follow the team are saying. Obviously, it's disappointing to lose to Wales who they beat last year. But the reward for that encouraging 70 minutes is um, a trip to uh, France to play the French, mm. who are a bit better than Wales. Mm. You'd be worried. Yeah. Um, sounded like there were a lot of positives from them, to be fair. Um, I don't know, did you read the Sunday Times yesterday? I'm always thinking of you when, I, when, I, uh, when these rugby chats come up and the dangers of the game and so forth. Did you read David Walsh's piece? No, was it with... Um, ben Walsh no it's with like a neurosurgeon oh. type woman in America right uh, it's, it looks like uh, in these days of you know basically newspapers trying to save money in every way possible it looks like he actually travelled over and he met her in the States and she's done a lot of uh, research on I, I'm sorry now I'm a bit hazy in the details but I did read the piece she's done a lot of research on NFL players who've died and um, in terms of the brain injuries that they've sustained from contact, 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 and um, you got to read this piece. Basically, right, it's it's it not out. good. It's not good. I'll take it out. All right, Alan Quinlan is with us, host of the Red Seventy Eight podcast. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Morning, lads. How are you? Um, so we put Irish women's rugby in the amber a little bit earlier on. There was a record crowd, and they played well for seventy minutes. But surely we can't be giving any moral victories to the team just yet or maybe you can because it's a new broom and it's a new team and it's actually going to take them quite a while to get to the stage where we should be expecting them to win what what what's the what's the right way here um somewhere in between i don't think they'll want any moral victories um i think a lot of the where we were positioned after the game a lot of the girls were over there talking to their parents and friends and family at the far side of the field and they were devastated. I was, um, I was kind of taken back about how disappointed they were. Um, I'm sure they were very excited going into the game, new era. Um, there was a lot of optimism, Jared, about about the team. 
And, you know, Joe was even asking us before the game about, you know, Ireland beat this team and, and 45 nil last year. Do you expect the same to happen? Do you think we're way ahead? Um, and it's very hard to judge this because you just don't know where, where the teams are at the moment. A lot of them are... It's hard to analyse them and see where they're actually at. Um, the big difference, and I think a lot of people realise this now, is that Wales had 12 full-time players and another 12 or 13 who were, were part-time, uh, given part-time contracts. So if they got to 25 people um, training pretty regularly um, as their jobs since, since, uh, <clears throat> since January, um, whereas the Ireland girls were probably in camp three or four, three or four times in the last number of weeks um, for two, three days at a time. So it's hard to kind of get up to that same level of speed. And it is, it, it, it's not a level playing field, to the Six Nations. France and England are, are miles ahead um, with, with regard to conditioning, strength, player numbers, all that kind of stuff. So we have to be patient here, Joe. You can't, you can't, um, we can't expect this to happen overnight. Um, there's a lot of changes in the report and they've been agreed between by the RFU and a lot more support to the women's game. So that that's good, but it will take a little bit of time. I tell you, I was really encouraged by the way they played, um, the type of uh, game, the execution, the skills. It was, I was surprisingly a really good game from both sides. And unfortunately, they just lacked a bit of power. Um, they lacked a little bit of physicality. And that kind of told in the end because they got really tired. But some brilliant at handling, uh, execution, passes, all that kind of stuff. Um, what are their issues, of course? Um, discipline, 15 penalties. Um, possession, 38% possession. Very difficult to win a game with those kind of stats. So they were under a lot of pressure. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for um, the way they played and, and the ambition they showed. But sometimes you get beaten by a better team and a more powerful team. And uh, we've been speaking about it with the men over the last number of years when they played England, sometimes when they came up short in the physicality. Wales had a big impact off the bench and they were very, very physical and that told at the end. OK. Um, we'll obviously get an opportunity to preview the, the France game closer to the time and we'll have our... Uh, Vodafone Six Nations show during the week as well to get into a bit more details about it. I want to just talk a little bit about the, the URC games and the situation Connacht find themselves in. Uh, it had been three weeks since Connacht's last game, which was a bit of a kicking from um, Edinburgh. And then they were man sent off really early against Leinster and they get a bit of a kicking again. So it's back-to-back massive disappointments for them. And it's getting squeaky bum time towards the end of the season. It's... Unfortunately, it looks like it could be a lost year for them. It's very, it's a very difficult situation now for them, um, Ger. I think uh, you know they've lost crucial games as as and particularly the Edinburgh one and and this Leinster one that'll kind of hurt and sting the most. I think. Let, let's be honest here. Leinster are missing a huge number of players. They're internationals. Um, the sending off. Pretty significant, I think. Um, and to be fair to Connacht on Saturday night, they they showed incredible, incredible fight and guts. And um, to go ahead when Tiernan Halloran scores a try, and but the, the second half, Leinster then just showed their their class and execution and and their passing skills and and tore 
tore Connacht apart. The big problem for Connacht is, you know, they're tenth in the table. Um, they've lost seven games in, in in the league, and they go away to Benetton next next weekend. They'll have their internationals back. Um, it's much more difficult when when they have they're fully stacked with their internationals, and they're a tough side to play against, particularly over there, Benetton. And then Connacht go to to South Africa and play the Lions and the Sharks. So we've seen how difficult it is for teams to go to South Africa and get results. Um, so it's a very difficult situation. And then the last game, they have four games to try and get themselves up the table. They're on 28 points, sitting in tents. Um, so not alone is there a major concern that they won't get into the playoffs here, which are the top eight. Um, they won't be in Europe next year unless they... They get some results out of there. I'd, I think they have at least to win three, three games there. Possibly win the four of them um, to 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 get there. Now the type of game they play and and the way Connacht are so ambitious with the ball, um, you know, it's they could go to South Africa and get two results. Who knows? It's very very difficult there. Um, they play the Lions in Johannesburg, but and the Sharks in Durban. So. It's 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 a tough situation for him, and I think uh, the sending off of Tom Daly the other night after two minutes, you know, against a side like Leinster, um, eventually made it really really difficult. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, eventually told. So it's it is it is a situation where it's um, um, they could end up with nothing and not be in the playoffs or or, or be in Europe next year. Okay. Uh, the the run of form that Ulster on at the moment was sensational, and it, um, it looked like they'd scored a last minute try to beat the Stormers and then it got chalked off. Right decision, wrong decision. Dan McFarlane wasn't happy either way. What, what did you make of this? R- wrong decision. I think um, Ulster, um, probably the middle part of the second half, you think uh, the Stormers are in control here. Um, they looked like they were going to win the game and see it out and kick on, but Ulster's response was, was phenomenal and uh, they kept playing right to the end and they really, really troubled the Stormers and got right back into the game. And Callum Reid, with a minute to go, two minutes to go, uh, looks like he scores a try right on the line. Um, also run back. That's the game you think they've won a brilliant result away from home in South Africa. Uh, TMO goes and calls him for a look. And the referee, Gianluca Necci, the Italian referee. And the problem here, and I was kind of flabbergasted by this, chair, is that the TMO... Um, is is a South African, and if you're sending teams of referees down, or send another one a TMO, um, because as Callum Reid is touching the ball down, the ball the the, the Stormers player dives in to try and prevent a try, hits dislodges the ball slightly out of Callum Reid's hands, it goes backwards, his body comes down on the ball, and I think it's a try. Um, Dan Far- McFarland is, is, was fuming after the match. So the TMO calls the, the referee. They have a conversation about it and a debate. And I still think watching it over and over again that it's a try. And then um, Alan O'Connor, who probably was pushing his luck a little bit the way he was debating with the referee, the Ulster captain, was um, uh, debating the point that he then awarded a try to the Stormers for for Callum Reid knocking it on when he clearly didn't the ball went backwards so I think at worst Ulster should have had a had a, had the five meter scrum 
Uh, in turn, he he awarded the Stormers a five-meter scrum. They were able to clear their lines and win the game. Um, so I think they were stolen at the end, and I think it was a wrong decision. And I think the TMO and the referee got it terribly wrong. They gave about two minutes debating this decision. They made a decision to give Stormers a scrum. Then they went back watching the footage again. The ball is dislodged from Callum Reed's hands. It goes backwards. His body, and remember, from your hips up, um, any part of your body that touches the ball over the try line, it's try given. Um, so they got that wrong, and I think Dan McFarland had every right to be really frustrated and angry with that decision. And if it comes down to a situation where they miss out on the top two, which will give them home quarter and possibly home semi if they win that, um, it'll be very, very significant because I think they should have won that game and, and could have won that game. Now they play the Bulls next Saturday, which is probably a different proposition as regards the physicality, the altitude um, and all that stuff. So it'll be, um, you know, that was a game they, they, they should have won. All right. We'll leave it there for today. Quinny, good stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. Cheers. Alan Quillen gives us his thoughts there. You can hear more on his thoughts on Munster on the Red 78 podcast. It's our weekly Munster podcast uh, brought to you from the Rugby Channel. OTBAM is live each morning brought to you by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. I just wanted to, sorry, I, I, I did David Walsh's service there when I kind of didn't really um, address because he wrote a piece in Sunday Times yesterday. I think as a sports fan, you really do have to read um, and just this is a start. We meet at 8.45am on East Newton Street in Boston. The temperature is getting up towards zero. Gina has come from a nearby building to take me to the office of Dr. Anne McKee at Boston University School of Medicine. We enter through what seems a side door, walk through some quiet corridors and soon I'm sitting in the office of the woman who has done more than anyone to show how collision sports damage brains. You really have to, she's in her early, late 60s now, it's an unbelievable piece and um, you just have to read it and couch all your enjoyment of sport by realising that there is stuff that we should be aware of. Yeah, there's a toll to pay for our entertainment that isn't paid by us but paid by the participants. The, the reaction to the sending off and the, the, the James Ryan incident in terms of the, all the hullabaloo about should that have been a red card utterly sickened me because I'm not I'm only a half Arse Rugby fan but what James Ryan has gone through in terms of HIAs would really 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 worry me and I don't know the man um, and wor- and rugby worry me about rugby going forward and who, who cares about a stupid red card um, Big celebrations in, in Monaghan oh. imagine how crazy it would be if they Look did actually this. win in All-Ireland I mean Jack McCarron, he, he's he's which never, one's which one's the intercounty footballer? I, I can't tell from Jack, their, their now, physiques. Now, now hang on, Shane Shane is he's from a famous family. His sister's very very promising singer. Shane is trying to wrestle back the limelight from his sister and. Look at this! Look at him. I mean, not a pick on him. Sometimes you're in a photo and you're sucking it all in. He doesn't even need to do that. Who is the intercounty footballer there, Ger? Yeah, well, it's. Uh, I mean, certainly he's wearing an intercounty jersey with a number on it. It's <laughs> <laughs> unusual. It's a, it's a flex move. Um, it, no, it should be pointed out. I think you've said this to me. He's a very good athlete himself. Oh, by far the best athlete in Team OTV. Yeah, low bar, but that was um, Jack McCarran and Shane Hannan celebrating <laughs> on the field yesterday. Uh, isn't that isn't it great though? Like, I mean, yeah, it is. It's, it's class. It's, it may, maybe Monaghan will never win All Ireland. Awfully um, won't win All Ireland, but like you can see what it meant. They did. To, they did. Sorry, they're not going to win All Ireland anytime soon. You can see what it meant to the Offaly players yesterday losing to Cork and the scenes and as the lads referenced, all the kids running out onto the pitch to get autographs and the scenes in Clonus yesterday. Yes, when games aren't all in Croke Park all exa- the time. Exactly. Bring go, go to the provinces. Go to these places that needs um, festival of football. Festival of football. No, no one's going to show up to these games. They'll all be dead rubbers. 
Right. Tomorrow morning, we're going to hear from the Irish rugby camp. There's build-up to Ireland-Lithuania and much more as well. Right now, we're bringing you analysis to Ireland's draw with Belgium on Sunday's OTB with John Duggan, Gavin Cooney and Simon Cox. Enjoy.